Adam Curry, John C. Devore. It's Thursday, August 4th, 2011. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 327. This is no agenda. <laughs> Reporting from the front lines of Gitmo Nation from the Four Winds 5000 Crackpot Command Center in the home of country music, Nashville, in the great state of Tennessee. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And it's fog and cold here in northern Silicon Valley. I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. Hey, finally connected in the morning to you, John. Yeah, sorry about that. Well, that's all right. Sorry it's... about that, and hello to all ships at sea. And the boots on the ground, ankles in the straps, and all of the human resources in the chat room. Uh, no agenda net. charged up, ready to go, depreciating your $9.2 million lifetime value. How you doing, everybody, in the morning? So I've got a new musical instrument. Yeah, I heard it during the opening there. Uh, Want to give that another whirl? <laughs> Uh, nice. Very nice. Also known as a vibra slap or a donkey call. Is that what that is? A vibra slapper? It's a vibra slap, yeah. Very nice. The vibra slap. You slap it and it makes that noise. Well, John, I have to say, I thoroughly enjoyed season one of uh, Government in Crisis. Great reality show. And I have to... It, it got low ratings, by the way. Yeah, it got low ratings, but... And- they- and it didn't test well. <laughs> Not in the demos. It didn't do well in the demos. But I have to say, I, I was highly appreciative of the producers of the show um, who came in with two minutes to go and they really tried to, to pull a, a Donald Trump ratings bonanza, a gotcha, a cliffhanger as they brought in Kathy Giffords at the very last moment onto the house floor with two minutes to go yeah that was was outstanding i mean of all the things that you and i could have done on producing this show um we could have come up with that i think if we if we actually had a meeting about it it's like hey man how can we put some more drama into this thing and and actually it was on my favorite channel where i watch uh the government in crisis season one reality show on c-span with a, a tweet just about halfway through the vote, this from Gabrielle Gifford's office that read this. The Capitol looks beautiful. Am I an honor to be at work tonight? She said, I'm here. In another tweet, she said, I am here to vote on the uh, debt reduction bill. Turn on C-SPAN now. <laughs> Shortly after that tweet came out, Gabrielle Giffords made her way to the House floor and cast her vote in favor. It was Here's a promo. It, it was great. Yeah, they had a promo on Twitter. The producers went, hey, tweet this. We got to do this. We got to tweet this. This is great. And then it was uh, pretty amazing, yeah. And then she got a standing ovation, so the whole thing finished with a bang. Yeah. And apparently the ovation went on for hours. It didn't actually, because I watched the C-SPAN coverage. I, I had a lot of time yesterday here at the uh, uh, Two Rivers Campground, which uh, is a misnomer. It should be uh, it should be called In Between Two Highways Campground, because there's literally a highway on one side and a highway in the other in a triangular fashion. River of of metal. <laughs> River, uh, cars aren't made of metal anymore. River of plastic and batteries. And um, anyway, so I had a chance to look at it. It did not go on at all that long at all. In fact, right after she came out on the floor, I was under the impression it went on no, for a long time. I was oh, bamboozled. No. no, no, no. It was maybe forty five seconds, and then what do you expect? The first speech. Right after someone like that comes onto the floor, you know, her head all all broken up and her hair 
all short and stuff, which he's keeping short purpose uh, on purpose. Uh, for, I think for obvious programming reasons, because uh, you know you can't you you, you got to see it. And here's uh, the first um, congressperson or senator, I guess, to speak. Mr. Chairman, we don't carry Kids who are at the back that you can't see because you're standing in front of them. It's the first time that we've ever had pages here, not in two small groups, but one summer group. See, what do you do? Do you thank the fact that uh, Gabby Giffords is on the floor? No, we've got to thank the pages. These pages are going home this week, and they have had a chance of being here to see history in the making on several different fronts. I wish you'd give them. Uh, before you do that... Page board consists of Representative Fox, North Carolina, myself, Representative Jajet, Representative Kildee. I yield to the gentlelady from Colorado. Thank you. Okay, so uh, he thanks the pages. Now now someone should recognize uh, Ms. Giffords. You thank the gentleman for yielding. I want to thank uh, all of the wonderful pages who are in the back of the room. You oh, let's thank the pages. have really seen history the last six weeks in this Congress, and we're so honored and proud to have all of you here with us. And um, I'm sure... This may be not be my place, but we all want to welcome back our wonderful colleague, ah, Congresswoman Giffords. Thank here. you. There it is. Thank you. There it is. I found that to be extremely weird that she walks onto the floor and you know, the television version was like exactly what you think you saw was, oh, everyone was like, amazing. No, they were thanking pages and, gee, you guys have had such a great opportunity to see douchebags at work. So oh, it was reprogrammed totally. to, for the reality show. Totally yeah. reprogrammed for the reality show. And what they didn't put in was a fantastic speech by uh, Representative Moore from Wisconsin who um, I, really followed on the American Dream speech of our president. She really wants the ultimate American dream for her grandchildren. Wisconsin recognized for one minute. And thank you so much for yielding. Um, so many of my colleagues have said that it was necessary to storm the White House and take the country hostage in the name of their grandchildren. So I wanted to go on record talking about what I want for my grandchildren. I want Head Start for my grandchildren. I want WIC programs and early childhood education for my programs. I want my, my kids to go to a school where they can participate in the science fair. I want immunizations for them. <laughs> yeah. I want research done for food safety to make sure the chicken nuggets are safe. <laughs> I thought I fell down when I heard that. I want to make sure the chicken McNuggets are safe that they're eating. That's like, it's food. It's food, isn't it? I want clean air and clean water for them. I want jobs where they invent things yeah. like new energy sources. Yeah. And yes, yes, I want them to be contributing citizens and pay taxes. That's right. Pay taxes, slaves. And I want a safety net for them in case they're disabled and when they become elderly and if they get cold in the cold winters of Wisconsin <laughs> that they'll have some energy assistance. I want my grandchildren to get the American dream. That's and right. I back. That's it. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. The American the dream. American dream welfare. <laughs> we want welfare. We want vaccines. We want chicken McNuggets and we want heat. They want some heat. There's your American dream. What is wrong with these people? <laughs> of course, uh, Joe Biden uh, was a little pissy. And he, he messed it up because he didn't get this uh, on video. At least I couldn't find it anywhere. 
Uh, he did get an honorable mention of his lines. He had a couple lines in the reality show. Yeah, here they come. Hold on a second. Hmm. Misfire? No? Oh, no. I don't know if the real news. Let's huddle up around the water cooler. Where right, by the way, I love how it's time for the real news. We find Joe Biden commiserating with Gabby Giffords about craniotomies. And Gabby Giffords, the talk of the morning. She's on the front page of every newspaper in the United States of America. And well, she should be making that surprise visit to vote for the bill yesterday in Washington, her first vote since she was shot less than seven months ago in Tucson. Now, after the House vote, Vice President Joe Biden spoke to reporters telling him he was there because of Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords. He went on to recount their conversation saying, quote, when I went up, she said, Joe, I said, now we're both members of the Cracked Head Club. You know, I had two craniotomies, for real. They literally took the top of my head off twice. <laughs> Biden had two surgeries in 1980. Wait a minute. Did you know this little nugget? They took the top of his head off twice? No, I did not know that. <laughs> and what did they put in there while they were opening it up? You know they implanted something. You're now a member of the Cracked Head Club. Are you, cr- are you kidding me? This guy has like... He, he has the sensitivity of a doorknob hey that's good man now we're both members of the cracked head club a little different joe when they're taking the top of your head off to urinate in it versus getting it shot so then of course i spent uh, some time watching the spin-off reality show known as the carney show with uh, the man with the Napoleon complex, uh, Jay Carney, spokeshole for the White House. Actually, one of the, the journalists are getting pretty funny in uh, in his show, and I don't think he likes it. So oh, uh, I think they're I think they're irked at him because he's been so arrogant. Oh, very so they're glib. starting to throw one liners at him. Yeah, here's the here's the first one liner. Okay. On the de- uh, legislation, when does the president plan to sign it? I assume as soon as possible. Um, how do you plan to let us know? You don't think you should just wait for a few days? Oh, 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 yes, oh. as soon as possible. I, I, I'm sure we will let you know uh, the oh, process oh, oh, oh. by which legislation, uh, having passed both houses, makes it makes its way down here. Uh, so it has to make its way down here. I guess they put it in a, li- in a limo, and, and the legislation has to come down from, um, from, from the hill. Above. And here's the question. Down Pennsylvania Avenue and, and lands on his desk, and we will uh, let you know when it's signed. By hand or auto pen? Uh, I believe it will be by hand. <laughs> so the guy says, by hand or by auto pen? And Carney actually says, oh, I, I believe it'll be by hand. I don't know. We do so much with the auto pen, apparently. And then in the That's same... F- funny he fell into that. Yeah, oh yeah. And then in the same, uh, like, you know, I don't know, like 10 minutes later... We should not sit on our hands and say, uh, there's nothing we can do. In fact, that would be uh, irresponsible. And there are many things uh, this president believes that we can continue to do to ensure that the economy grows. Yes. Going back to Gabby. Well, let me just say, if I could, uh, the note that uh, Jamie just handed me is that uh, to let you know that the president has signed uh, the bill. Uh, and uh, By himself. Yes. Yeah, exactly. By himself. It wasn't. It was auto pen. I think that's exactly why. All of a sudden. It, so first the guy says, oh, should we, uh, when's he going to be signed? And then Carney makes a really funny joke saying, don't you think we should wait a few days? <laughs> And then the guy says, will it be signed by his hand or by auto pen? I think it's by hand. Oh, wait, it's signed. Auto pen. Clearly auto pen. 
Well, they showed him signing it, so I'm not so sure about that. Well, they had a picture of him with a pen in his hand at his desk. Well, they, it was a video. Oh, really? Well, what was he signing? Yeah. Obama? He was signing probably a, a, an excuse letter for his daughter uh, missing school. Obama 2008? <laughs> He's signing checks. He's <laughs> signing checks. So then, My God, that's all I do all day is sign checks. Now, so to wind up uh, season one, and then we have to move on to season two, because yes, uh, they, they had a great lead in, they thought, with the ratings, so they pulled out season two of the crisis, uh, government in crisis reality show. But here's the one thing that I think we spoke about one or two shows ago that is, is irksome, and I'm not quite sure I like what they've done with this bill. Jay, yesterday you were talking about how the president's going to have a role uh, in the, spe- the super committee, as we're calling it now. If it's a bipartisan, bicameral thing, and the president take, retaking the bully pulpit today, what's the president's role going to be? How is he going to affect that, the, the committee? Well, he is the, uh, as I think Senator McConnell said at some point in the last few days, the one person out of 300-plus million in America, who, uh, the only one who can sign uh, bills and make them laws. So he obviously has a crucial role. Uh, in this process, and uh, he has a crucial role in, in, in persuading both members and the public about what he believes is the right path to take. And you've seen him play that role uh, in recent weeks and months, and I'm sure he will going forward. Now, the authority to name the members obviously rests with the leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I said, I think in answer to an earlier question, uh, there is ample product uh, to provide to that committee once it is formed. And uh, the president uh, is the author of. Uh, uh, one such product, and he thinks that um, that it's a real framework for how you go about a balanced approach to dealing with issues like entitlements and revenues. So the way I see this, it's a, it, it, it's a perfect setup. The president, as we've just heard reiterate, is the only one who can sign a bill into law, so he's the boss, the boss of all of us. And uh, we're going to put together this super committee, which at one point was being called the super congress, I mean, it's, so why doesn't Congress just stay on vacation? They don't need to come home. They don't need to come back to work. We don't need them anymore. We got, uh, what is it, six people? Is it six or 12, this uh, super committee? It's six and six, as far as I know. Oh, six and six? And, uh, uh, by the way, uh, there's somewhat disingenuous. That, uh, if the president doesn't sign a bill, it can be over, which is a veto, essentially, yeah. in one form or another. It can be overridden without his signing it and going to law. Oh, so yeah, that's but, bull yeah, crap. Yeah, but, we, but people aren't supposed to know the law anymore or how the Constitution works. It's like, yeah, we'll just have this uh, super committee and they'll take care of everything. Don't worry about it. And we, I mean, I'm sure it's easy enough to pick six shills from each side. And everyone else can just... just Go pound sand. It, 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 this sounds like it's an unconstitutional move to me, John. Yeah, well, someone has to sue over it before he become unconstitutional. Mm. They're looking for anything they can do to do less work. So then we get into, and I made a little montage. So, of course, here's Ooh. what I, Yeah, oh yeah, I did some work here in the, in the rig. So that was over, and, then, uh, and literally everyone ran to the airports and flew home for vacation. Uh, they all jumped on their planes. Pelosi jumped on her Air Force jet. and uh, Actually, she didn't. I think she might have hung around. But they needed to... So this is the, the, the new way of tricking the stupid slaves of America into believing that the president is great and Republicans are stupid. And actually, they're both extremely evil with this FAA thing. Have you been following this? Oh, yeah. In fact, I have a slight... I have a clip kind of... 
discussing it, but it's not necessarily playable. Okay, then then let me play my montage because we had um, Reed, we had Chuck Schumer, we had uh, Steny Hoyer, and we had um, oh Rockefeller, of course, and then uh, some other uh, woman uh, from uh, from California, and they got up. And this is a montage of a 45-minute press conference, but it's pretty clear what the message is and what the talking points are. House Republicans playing games with FAA. We've had 20-plus extensions of this to get some of the other issues worked out. But that wasn't good enough for them this time. They had to try to hold a number of issues hostage, as they have done with more than 300 million Americans in recent days. We now have safety inspectors, safety inspectors, paying for their own hotel bills. They, uh, the hostages they tried to hold, they picked a number of Democratic senators. They'd come back and they want some more hostages. Some 70,000 uh, workers for contractors around this country uh, are being held captive. We need to get this done and we should get it done today. And hostage taking, holding 315 million Americans and the entire country hostage to the threats of taking us over the precipice, 75,000 people are now over the precipice because of Republican hostage taking. Before themselves, before the petty politics that they are pursuing, we need to act on this issue now. 75,000 Americans demand it, our country demands it, and it's irresponsible to hold hostage these people and our country and the safety of our airways pending some petty political gain. So they made up this crisis because they want to get their way on a number of issues, primarily, I think, an attack on working men and women. This is government by hostage-taking, followed by holding the full faith and credit of this government hostage, government by hostage-taking. Are holding the livelihoods of Americans hostage until they get everything they yeah. want. There you go. Hostage, hostage! These, these, these horrible people are holding people hostage! So... <laughs> <laughs> so then they roll out, uh, and, I, and I know what this is, by the way. It has nothing to do with hostage-taking, but the backstory, um, or I'm sorry, the front story is there's an FAA bill for funding the Federal Aviation Administration. And this has been, uh, it's one of those kick-the-can-down-the-road things. They've been uh, holding this up. Uh, they haven't really done their real negotiation. They've just been renewing it 20 times over and over and over again. And apparently there's some little bit of unimportant legislation in there that is uh, petty politics, and that's why, which the Republicans put into the bill, and that's why Rockefeller actually has said, we won't agree to this and we can't sign it. And the Republicans went, oh, okay, well, then we won't do that. So without that funding, a couple things happen. $156 million doesn't go to, uh, I think it's 20 regional airports, so they can't build anything. That's a woman from... Uh, Palm Springs. She was like, oh, our new tower is not being finished. And then there's 70,000 contract workers who uh, effectively their companies aren't getting paid, so uh, they're um, no longer on the job. So then they roll out uh, Ray LaHood, the gangster, uh, in Carney's show, and he, uh, tr- he is the one that's supposed to sell it, but he does a really bad job. And I have to say, reporters in the room, on the ball, very, very smart. So what they're saying is, if this bill doesn't pass, no money for the FAA, therefore, 
keeping the American people hostage like they just did hostages, pushing 70,000 people over the precipice, they're killing people and babies and they're stomping on puppies. Secretary, you said you noted you were a Republican member of Congress and uh, Speaker Boehner's office, one of your former colleagues said today, they're ready for a deal, but it's a Democrat. It's Jay Rockefeller in the Senate who's blocking this. So why hasn't the president got on the phone to him and, and figured this out? A good question, right? Why hasn't, so if it's Rockefeller, a Democrat, why hasn't the president just said, hey, yo, Rockefeller, just get this bill done so we don't, we get these people back to work because we're pushing them over the precipice. We're killing them. I'll let Jake talk about what the president does or does not do. I'll tell you what I've been doing. I've been talking to members of Congress. I've been talking to them for the last uh, two weeks since this started. Uh, and one of the things I've told them, that, which they know, is this is the thing that really makes the public mad. Congress can't do their job. This is, please pay attention. You're supposed to be really mad about Congress and bad Republicans. Pay attention. When ordinary citizens around the country hear that their friends and neighbors ought to be working on a construction site at an airport and they're not because Congress (coughs) didn't do their work, this is what infuriates the American people. Congress should have passed a clean bill, could have passed a clean bill. I urged them to pass a clean bill. They can still do it. Congress can still do it. The adjournment resolutions that they have passed allows them to come back every four days in the House and pass legislation. They could do it. I'm asking Congress to come back and do for the American people what they've been talking about. Put 75,000 people back to work. It's very clear. This is all about the horrible Republicans taking people out of work. And then all of a sudden, someone smart asks a very good question. Uh, let me see if I have the right one here. Yes. But is there anything that the uh, president can do? Is there any executive action that the president can do? Any emergency you, look, you'll action? You'll have to ask Jay about that. I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm, you got to talk to Jay about anything the president does. I'm just here to sell you the message that the Republicans are evil. I'm working hard right now. Do you know, as secretary, of any emergency action that can be taken to... Uh, remedy this situation or to help all these people who are out of work yeah, I'll, in I'll, the interim. I'll let Jay answer that. My so you hear that he's setting him up, right? This guy is, I, I don't know who it is, but he's asking a really good question. Is there not any emergency action the president can take to put these people back to work? I, 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 I love uh, Jay will talk about that. I'm Ray LaHood. I'm here to sell you that the Republicans evil. Yeah. Well, let me, let me take a question for Mike, and then I'll come back. specific action that uh, analysts have told our transportation reporters, which is that the president can grant you, the secretary, the authority to shift funds, and that would help out the FAA. Is that something that you would do or would consider doing? What I want done, <laughs> President's authority what, I, what I want done is what Congress <laughs> has done on 20 other occasions. So he's faltering. So the guy clearly has uh, the information that the president has yeah, the power. Yeah, choked. Yeah. So right. then, so, so this goes on and on and on. And then finally, Carney's back on the stand, and the guy says, look, the president has the power. We've had our analysts look at it. He can tell the, the Secretary of Transportation to switch some funds around and put these people back on the job. Isn't that what you want? Isn't what this whole thing is you're telling, Republic, telling us Republicans are evil, they haven't passed a clean bill, they haven't given us a clean bill? The president can do that with one stroke of the pen. Yes. Uh, at the uh, risk of appearing cynical. <laughs> Bill, I, if now, not you. Surely not after all these years. 
If the president is really so interested in getting those 74,000 people back to work, then why did you stop bashing Congress and switch the funds over so they can go to work? Uh, Bill, I, I, this is a fascinating process where... Uh, no. Yeah. The party with the responsibility, the party that created this problem, is out of town, and the reporters here are blaming the party that wants the problem fixed. The fact of the matter is, look, we are obviously looking at the different. Look. Yeah. Oh no, it gets look. it gets better. It gets better. Options that we have. Options. That the president has. Yes. Yes. We're looking, but. The simple reality is that because of a political dispute, this is exactly what... Just a political dispute. No one's talking about what the political dispute is, which I'll get to in a second. Americans loathe about the process here, justifiably and understandably, uh, because of an ideologically driven uh, decision made. Uh, there is a, a stalemate over a measure that has never been a problem in the past. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They can resolve. We, 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 we need to and we can have fights over these uh, issues that uh, divide us. But we should not have these fights in a way that throw 74,000 people out of – in ways that throw 74,000 people out of work who, innocently. They, who, this, is not, this is not their fight. And so as Secretary LaHood made clear, it, it, is, it is wholly inappropriate for members of Congress to go on recess, go on vacation – and leave this issue hanging and, and, and take away from these hardworking Americans their paychecks for at least another four, five, six weeks uh, when they could resolve this issue right away. Now, go. I think I've answered the question. If back to work, then get them back to work. I think I've answered the It's within the president's power, apparently. Yeah. Uh, apparently, based on your hearing from some other reporter who's hearing it from another, I think maybe a little, is that a little reporting on everybody's pro, uh, part would be uh, efficacious. And ah. what I can say is, Shut up, slave, is what he's saying. So, I start to look... Efficacious. Yeah, efficacious. So, what do you, so the, this guy, Bill, whoever his name is, whatever his name is, he's saying, you know what? Uh, we've checked it out, and I'm sorry, uh, but the president has the authority and has the power to actually um, shift the funds and, and bring these people back to work. So why doesn't he do that? Well, just because some reporter said they're reporting on reporting, you need to report better. You know what you're talking about. Blah, blah, blah. So I look into it. This is about EFCA, John. I looked into the bill, and what happened was, uh, when the president came into office, Obama, he there are three members on the National Mediation Board. This is all about the airlines and uh, the merger of... Delta Airlines with, I think, is it Northwest they merged with? I believe so. I believe so. And, of course, Delta has no union. And they want, the unions want to have this huge extra union. In fact, it is payback. It is payback for them getting Obama into office. We've almost forgotten the SCIU and the auto ah, yes, workers, okay. auto workers union, got, and we, all we, of this. We remember, go right. Go. So here's uh, Gerald McEntee, uh, the huge union boss, literally saying it's payback. Hold on, it's coming. <laughs> oh, well, the, pay, the the payback would be um, the Employee Free Choice Act. That would be a vehicle. Uh, to strengthen and build the American labor movement and the middle class. Um, our people are uh, suffering harshly uh, with the condition of the economy, the condition of the country. 
states and local governments and schools and places like that. Uh, we, we would expect uh, with Obama's leadership and Democrats in the House and the Senate uh, to be helpful. So what this is about is $38 billion in new union dues that the unions want and part of EFCA, the Employee Free Choice Act, which we spoke about in 2007, I think, John, uh, also uh, known as the Employee Forced Choice Act, where it changes, it used to be, or the way it still is today, if there's a union vote and people who don't vote, their votes are counted as no. And the National Mediation Board wants to change this rule. In fact, they changed the rule and said, you know what, what it's going to be is a majority vote. So you have to show up. So now instead of secret ballots, which is the way I think voting should happen, is now people have to sign a card in public, whether they're for or against, which of course creates a huge super union. And the last time we had an election, the president got half a billion dollars from the unions. So all of this fear-mongering government in crisis show which you will hear about for the next two months is about the democrats wanting their next half billion dollar check because the union is saying hey hey obama it's time for payback son you got to give us you got to give us that union you got to give us that efka you promised that that's what you said you would do when you got into office you want some money for re-election you want that money son you got to play to our tune son and so of course the republicans are doing uh, who, we don't want that guy to get half a billion dollars. Screw him. So over the back of 70,000 people, both parties are disingenuous, and it's really about the super union. It's disgusting. <laughs> but it's the new show. And the, and the show <laughs> and the show will be all about how the, the Republicans are throwing people off the cliff and uh, off the precipice, and it's all so horrible. But it's and I have uh, I have six links in the show notes at three two seven dot show notes dot com. Uh, this has been written about uh, what what the you can read the actual uh, language of the bill. This is all about the unionization of Delta Airlines and getting the Employee Free Choice Act in and creating super unions. Which of course, actually, I'm not against unions, but even when you see this Gerald McEntee, what a douchebag, Jimmy Hoffa all over again. I mean, tell people about the power of the unions in this country, John, and what they've done. Uh, they have uh, actually not done much recently because people are onto their game. But as a as a former union organizer myself, um, you know, I think uh, they've outlived their usefulness in most instances. It's the mob. Yeah. Well, there's that. <laughs> yeah, and they elect presidents because yeah. You know, what what are union dues like? Four or five hundred dollars a year. It depends on this individual union, but it's it can be that much easy. Yeah. So it's it's just despicable that no one mentions what the actual problem is. Well, they're not never going to mention. It. I so I've been watching MSNBC, and you know what their take on this is? No, <laughs> I bet it's good. It's a beauty. It's about these little airports in rural yeah. areas. Yeah, that's the hundred and sixty-three million dollars that is uh, part of the the stopgap measure. Measure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a like there's and they blame they say well, the Republicans are out to screw the the governors of these little states, including Rockefeller and Harry Reid. They're really going to stick it to Harry Reid by shutting down a rural rural airports yeah. in Nevada. Yeah. It turns out to be one airport yeah. in Elko. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's ever been there, but are we? Funny. The taxpayers are paying for an airport in Elko, which yeah. is in the middle of nowhere, and uh, it's just a total scam. I have a, cu- a couple of interesting clips because MSNBC is going out of their way to crank it up with. Well, they need ratings. They need ratings. Disingenuous bullcrap. And once you once you get off this FAA thing, I want to switch over to a to a Chris Matthews clip, which uh, con- confounded me to the point where I had to go into C-SPAN archives to get the real clip to see what was going on here and what a bunch of bullcrap we're getting from these TV stations. Yeah, I'm, go- go I'm, I'm, I'm no, I'm good for it because I'm done with this whole FAA thing. I just want people to know right from the outset. Your government in crisis, season two, has already started, and it's really about unionization. has nothing to do... The president, with one stroke of the auto pen, could put these people back to work. The money is there. Ray LaHood, the gangster, can pay them, but they're not doing it because they need the half a billion dollars from the unions. And in fact, the unions are pressuring the administration because it was a promise it was a promise that he has to make good on right now. And without doing it, I mean, there's no way. It has to happen. And they'll do anything. They roll out all the big guns just to make this uh, happen under the guise of, oh, we're pushing people over the precipice. So uh, I was looking at the contracts that are, that are just in, in abeyance right now because of this, this, whatever you want to call it, this dispute. No, it's a, there's some beauties in here. It's a reality. There's show. some beauties in here. Lockheed Martin ha- is is sitting on three point five billion dollar con three point five billion dollar contract for replacement of air traffic controller displays. Yeah, because uh, they need three uh, D. Uh, <laughs> it's a new thing. Oh, the old displays don't work. You know, ITT systems manager, whoever they are, yeah. they have a $1.4 billion contract for next generation air traffic control systems, which I think would include new displays. I don't know. Oh, no, 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 no. The next gen thing, that's $11 billion. This is about uh, planes. It's something that no aviator in his right mind wants is that the planes will be talking to each other and you can remove the oh, controllers yeah, right. it's like it's a horrible thing i don't want that. i want to talk to a guy who has his eyes on the screen on the ground not some computer talking to another plane anyway, there's a lot of billions that, that sitting around waiting to be spent it's unbelievable how much money we spend. So, what you got so on I'm chris watching matthews? chris matthews and and he comes up with this unbelievable accusation that the Republicans want to tax the poor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they do. And he has this, he has this clip of, of Orrin Hatch kind of grambling. And, he, and, and so I went and got the original clip. And they, they, you, I can't even express how much they have b- butchered this clip. But what got my attention was the way the clip ends. Because you, uh, you and I both have the same ear for this sort of thing. This was truncated in a very awkward way in other words it was chopped for some reason a little too close to or during right, the, it wasn't right. like chopped during a pause yeah we actually our ears perk up just like uh, when we hear that it's like oh hold on a second that was chopped they they cut it out of context yeah and this is so obvious but the, but then he wraps around this basic theory and then he gets a like, and here's what really bothers me because i've done these kinds of shows and he brought two people on to discuss his thesis, but they were they're like everybody else who comes onto these shows. They're called up the same day. They come in, they sit down, they put a, a earpiece in their ear, and they're basically cold. It's cold reads. It's almost mm-hmm. so you're yeah. in there, 
And you, and so you have to respond. So it makes it sound like you're. But if these people actually heard the original clip, one of them would have said, "Hey, this is bull crap." So but this play is, this, Chris. Th- yeah, Chris Matthews making things up. Yeah. For shared sacrifice. This is something new. Adding to this class warfare we're hearing from the right, they started it. Here's proof. Orrin Hatch saying we got to tax proof. the poor more. Let's listen. I get a little tired of hearing the Obama approach towards shared sacrifice. The top 1% of the so-called wealthy pay 38% of all income taxes. The other side just spends and spends and spends, and they want to tax and tax and tax so they can spend some more. My gosh, when are we going to wake up in this country and realize they're spending us into oblivion? And I hear how they're so caring for the poor and so forth. The poor need jobs. And they also need to share some of the responsibility. They need to share some responsibility. Tax the poor, Joan. That is a new anthem. I've never heard that in politics. Not never, but in a long time, I've heard the Republican Party be restrained about, let's go sock it to the poor. Uh, This is a new one. All right, so they faded it out really quick, but not quick enough. It was a poor hack job, that's for sure. It was a hack job. Hack job. And not only that, but what what preceded what he said about the poor and what follows, which I have the clip of, indicates that this was just really a miserable job. And let's let me give a couple. I didn't want to play the whole clip, so let me give a couple of backgrounders. One, he he talks about fifty one percent of the country uh, does not pay any taxes, and they're people that are working. Right. And then he makes the assertion, which which is which should have been in the clip he had, because right before he talks about the poor, he talks about how people making eighty thousand dollars a year are being subsidized, and he kind of implies that what he's talking about when he says poor. He's talking about people who are making $80,000 a year aren't paying any taxes and getting subsidized for Obamacare. And then when he says about, about making the poor uh, contribute more, he immediately goes in right after that where they clipped it. He says, I'm not talking about people in poverty. I'm not talking about real poor people. Ah. And of course, they cut that out. So let's listen well, to the Obamacare, real clip. A family of four earning over $80,000 a year gets subsidies. Think about that. And that's what we call the poor. They wonder why the monies don't go far enough? When are we going to wake up and realize that the other side just spends and spends and spends and they want to tax and tax and tax so they can spend some more? My gosh, when are we going to wake up in this country and realize they're spending us into oblivion? And I hear how they're so caring for the poor and so forth. The poor need jobs. And they also need to share some of the responsibility. Now, we don't want the really poor people (laughs) who are in poverty to have to pay income taxes, but 51% of all households? Wow. Good find. What a... Unbelievable. What a disingenuous bullcrap. $80,000? Chris Matthews should be... Wait a minute. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. $80,000 is considered poor? Well, that's by by the by the definition in Obamacare, it is because there's a subsidy involved in some sort. Wow! And that's what he's talking about. And he made it very clear right at that where they truncated his clip to to try to bamboozle the idiots who actually listen to MSNBC to bamboozle them into thinking that the Republicans are now out to tax the poor. And that's bull. I mean, so I and well, you could you could see what triggered my my yeah yeah my course, interest was is that bad clip. Yep, and they cut it off where he says we don't want to get the really poor eighty thousand dollars poor. Hey, you know what? I think we're just uh, Mickey. We're on the poverty line. We're skating it. It's amazing. It's what? 
Tell me about it. Yeah, she's like, tell me about tell it. Me. She's buying thirty-four dollar dresses, but they look good on you. A good dress for thirty-four oh. bucks. Yeah, you can get a great dress for that. H and M. I love H and M. Those guys rock. I let's love them. do a. Uh, let's thank a few executive producers, and then I want to find out how, how you're doing on the yeah. tour. Sure, sure, sure. We, did uh, we receive any help, uh, any support for this program? Yeah, we did. We actually have a new night, and we have one, two. Uh, unfortunately, I'm on the machine. Doesn't have the huge giant screen. Uh, <laughs> Don't worry, the FAA will replace it. Yeah, for a billion dollars. Uh, I got. Uh, well, let's just go over these guys. We got our uh, new executive producer Yaz. He needs some karma, and he needs to call his buddy Tommy a douchebag. Okay. Douchebag. That's for you, Tommy. You've got karma. And that's for you, Yaz. And he's from Clifton, New Jersey, which is uh, near my old stomping grounds. Uh, there you Jersey go. boys rule. Chad Marbutt in uh, Springfield, Missouri. Uh, John and Adam, longtime listener, first-time donator. I've been a bit douchey holding back my donation until I got this book I've been reading. I've been writing. Oh, he's been writing a book. So I might get it plugged. Mention the, the booktitledbook.com, if you would. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that... Okay. The booktitledbook.com. Yeah. I guess it he has a book. It can be downloaded there for free. Wow. Tell the slaves there's a psyop of a different sort, but that they should keep that a secret for now. Thanks, Chad. He's now a member of the 33333 Club. Uh, Era Dodarian, Black Knight Era, is from Trabuco Canyon, California, is uh, in the 327 Club. And hi, guys. It's my wife's Lena's birthday, and I figured what better gift than her own knighthood. That's not, that is the gift that keeps on giving. This donation should get me over the top for that. My daughter Stephanie has a birthday as well, so you need a birthday call out. Give her a shout out. Loves the Hot Pockets tour. I'll be sending gas money in a few weeks. Thank you, uh, Sir Black Knight, Aradadarian, and welcome, uh, Dame Lena. Uh, we'll be Dame Lena. And a we'll couple of executive, uh, a couple of associate executives, Shane Pasco and Ivanhoe. Ivanhoe! Did I just blow you up? John? What? Oh, I thought I blew you up. No, you're back. Oh. In the morning, John and Adam, could you please send my good friend Matthew Guthrie a double shot of karma to brighten up his day? You've got karma. Double shots are a little complicated. I have to kind of talk over the end there in order to get it going. There we go. You've got karma. I don't know. I don't Thank know if for- the double shots are good. I, I think we should keep it to one. Yeah, we won't do them anymore. We just ring an extra bell. There you go. Uh, uh, double shot. Did blah blah blah. He, he, he for, thank him for hitting him in the mouth. This is Shane. Uh, is a new uh, donor. Have uh, also redirected mofobook.com and mytweeters.com yeah. to dvorak.org slash na a suggestion for a whole new social network. <laughs> and in the hope of silencing that jingle in my head, <laughs> what jingle might that be, Adam? That would be um, dvorak.org slash na. Uh, no luck yet, he says. Thanks for the shining star of no agenda and the otherwise empty media universe. Uh, sincerely, Shane. And uh, our last associate executive producer, Frank Azenstadt from Melbourne. Two Australians. Yeah, fine Australian name, by the way. Azenstadt is? <laughs> it's a fine Australian name. Azenstadt. Or Austrian name. Couldn't talk. I'm here in Australia. We are down under. Hello. Or Melbourne, as it were. Melbourne. Uh this amount made up the following: my birthday on seventh of May, nineteen sixty-two. 
7562, my son's birthday, also a listener on 11 February 1993, $111.93 and thirty three thirty three for a podcasting license because I know I'm going to need one eventually. Our prime minister might see this as a good revenue raising activity just like the carbon tax. By the way, Adam, it's actually Gillard as in goose or Gillard. Gillard. As oh, okay. Goose. Not Gillard. Okay, Gillard. As Gillard. In, well, I like Gillard as in joke. But okay, not Gillard. Gillard as in joke is what he says. Although both words equally apply to her performance as prime minister, really do get the politicians we deserve. Can I get a karma shot because I'm about to be looking for a new job and a de-douching for Rohan because he's now smart enough to listen to the podcast. Okay, so we'll give Rohan a de-douching followed by uh, karma, so it's a double shot. Uh, hello, hello. You've been de-douched. You've got karma. Nice. That was good. Yeah, and that'll be our. That's our uh, producers for this, uh, our executive producers for this particular show. Three, two, seven. Yes, and let me give you a couple of PR mentions that are out there. Um, people always listening to the show. John, we're in business. Dave Anderson has done it for us. Digitalblackwater.com. Now forwarding to noagendashow.com. Thank you so much. That's perfect. Uh, then we have uh, thank God for my, thank God for my smoking hot wife dot com. I love it. Paranoidradio.com, FearTheReaper.us. Of course, uh, this uh, following in the information I received about the Reapers really being the ones that have the hellfires and not the drones, not the regular predator drones. RebootObama.com, also forwarding to NoAgendaShow.com. Perfect. And just in case, says Andre, we might need it in the future, freeadamcurry.com. Uh, yep. Yeah, that's a useful one to own. <laughs> Could be very handy. Adiosmofos.com, also forwarding to the show. My goodness, I can't wait to get back to California. Yeah, yeah. How come Adios, how come that was available? I don't know, man. And that Adiosmofos clip is old. So it's amazing. Anyway, in fact, uh, for those of you who are new to the program. Adios, mofo. That's Rick Perry. Uh, then I want to make a quick mention. Uh, the NOAA Generation Shill Placement Service is now up and running. Uh, the first step in, an, in any vast conspiracy is to infiltrate various organi- organizations with your shills and puppets. So NOAA Generation Shill Placement Service will help you find a job. What this does, it's a backdoor into Craigslist. You sign up for a free account at uh, noagendanation.com. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, uh, it will then uh, troll... Craigslist for a job for you. And this is uh, Eric the Shill who has set this up, which I think all is... All Craigslist a, all over the country. All over the country, right. Now, you may have a, 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 a shitty commute, but you might have a job. <laughs> well, you might want to move. Some people are going to have to move. Yeah. And then finally, uh, someone pointed this out to me, and I do not know who did this, but whoever got it into the Urban Dictionary, we highly appreciate it. The term, in the morning. Definition, this is the Urban Dictionary, which is like, it's cool, right? The Urban Dictionary. A oh, friend, yeah. a friendly morning greeting used all over the world. Same as top of the morning, but it's just in the morning, usually around 9 or 10 a.m. And it has examples of usage. John, in the morning, Adam. Adam, in the morning, John. <laughs> that is cool. That is so cool. Whoever did that, good job, Anya. I really appreciate that. That's fantastic. <laughs> And then I want to thank uh, Hot Pockets producer. Funny if that actually became like a hundred years from now. That's what people said. Well, it's in the Urban Dictionary. It's, we're Instead in of the, Good Morning, they start saying in, in the, the morning. morning. In the morning, Daddy. Why do we say in the morning? Well, son, let me tell you. 
no one knows. Over, <laughs> over 100 years ago, in Little RV. Uh, big uh, big thanks to Rhino the Bearded, whose noagendacovers.com came in with uh, $30. That's $19.98 from uh, his uh, our cut. And uh, then we had uh, the uh, noagendacovers.com is actually pretty cool. It's t shirts of some of the best covers of the No Agenda album art, which Rhino the Bearded uh, has set up. And um, the two producers whose album arts were most popular and used have donated their proceeds from the project into the pot. That's how we come up with $30. Sir DSC in Oregon, $6.66. And Jesse Anderson, $3.33. We highly appreciate that type of support as well. And, uh, well, let me just uh, do this uh, before we go on and talk about uh, the Hot Pockets 2008 tour. So thanking Rhino the Bearded, of course. All of our PR associates uh, are exe- uh, uh, so executive producers, Yaz, Chad Marbot, uh, uh, Sir Black Knight, Era Dedarian, and Shane Pasco, and our associate executive producer, Frank Agenstadt from Melbourne, Australia. We appreciate the support. It's what keeps the show uh, on the air. It's what keeps the RV rolling. It's what keeps us just above that poverty line. Everybody else out there who has not done so, you can always help us out by propagating the formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. Please say it like you mean it. Shut up, slave. So, John, last we spoke, we were in, uh, where were we? We were in uh, Austin, Texas. And we were. It was hard to leave Austin, Texas. I will tell you, seeing as we were in a mansion uh, with our own wing, air conditioned, our own bathroom, nice shower with a real shower head. And I wanted to stay an extra night. I didn't want to start rolling until Monday. And Miss Mickey, slave driver that she is, it's like no, we've got to get to Mississippi. We've got to get to Rhino the Bearded. So uh, we rolled out. And we drove up uh, north to uh, Rhino the Bearded, who lives just outside of BFE, which we actually passed. This is, uh, pardon the language, Bumfuck Egypt, which uh, is, uh, which the, the uh, etymology of Bumfuck Egypt, BFE, is Egypt, Mississippi. And this is just shy of Tupelo. That's about 30 I miles. It was in Egypt, Mississippi until I read your post. Uh, well, this is what the people in uh, Mississippi believe, so I'll, I'll let them have that. And so we, we were uh, just about 30, uh, 30 miles south of Tupelo, Mississippi, home of uh, the birthplace of uh, Elvis Presley. But I got to tell you, we rolled up around 6.30. It was amazing. It could not have been more authentic Mississippi, John. It was, you know, A, it was 100 degrees, no wind. We parked the uh, the Duchess on the... In the, in the yard. There's 11 cars in this yard. It's great. <laughs> it's like a car on blocks, and then there's some four-wheelers. Uh, yeah, a car on blocks. Yeah, yeah. There's a, four, there's a couple of four-wheelers, some jet skis, and it's Rhino who lives there with his dad, who actually reminds me a lot of um, Kelsey Grammer's dad in uh, Fraser Crane. Oh, yeah. Except, you know, without the cane. The guy's funny, and we had, a, we had an awesome time. Uh, Rhino pulled out his uh, his Rubens tube. Have you ever seen one of these things in action? 
No. Oh, so I got, I got to do some of the accents, which is not uh, is not meant to be degrading. It's just the, the question on my mind was: Did you go shooting? No, we didn't go shooting. We did no. not go. No, no, we we didn't go shooting. But Rhino. So this is a Rubens tube. Is a uh, a tube with holes in it, and you hook up the propane tank to it, and you light it, and then you put a sp- you put a speaker in front of it, and then the flames dance all across this tube. There's a video of it uh, on uh, on YouTube, and also Miss Mickey put it on the Facebook page, itm.im/slash/tour08. Yeah, and it's great, <laughs> it, but of course we we couldn't fire up the grill because you know the <laughs> because the propane tank was uh, attached to the Rubens tube. So uh, we're we're making fire in the backyard and the and it's it's funny and uh, we're drinking beers and I think Mickey had four Coronas unbelievable she she just drink, she's pounding them down then Rhino comes out and he makes the most amazing hot wings now let me tell you about the hot wings John it's the secret is all in the sauce which he gets from Arkansas my goodness my ass was was a flamethrower it was unbelievable unbelievably hot. It was just burning, but it was so good. And then he made uh, uh, onions. You know how to make the onions. All right, so the onions, you got to put them in some aluminum foil. And uh, you throw your onions in there. You throw some uh, salt and pepper and a stick of butter. And you let that simmer for like 40 minutes. Now, that's after the charcoal is hot. See, because the charcoal, you know the charcoal is ready after you've had two beers. Then the charcoal is just right. I mean, this is literally how they were talking to me. It was fantastic. Captain Negative, his neighbor was there, who's a Ford salesman. Captain, Captain Negative. Negative, yeah. And then we played pool. It was great. We played pool. They have a games room. And we played pool in the games room, and we drank whiskey, and we were singing country songs. It was absolutely highlight of the trip. It was a great time. Next day, uh, of course, we slept in a little bit. And by the way, uh, I went online to, you know, Mechanics Bank has that online system. Just, you know, I just wanted to see how we're doing on cash. And I'm like, what the heck is this? Nine times someone used a clone version of my debit card and took out $400 all across L.A. Oh, is it L.A.? Yeah. And this is the crazy thing, because I called him. I called the bank. I said, look, we're going on the road. So just so you know, don't cut off my card, because you may see, like, Alabama, Mississippi, Kentucky, you know, Texas. So, okay, you know, they made a note. So they know I'm gone, and then they see, like, Venice Beach, really? Pasadena, really? Sacramento, really? That's where I'm not. Sacramento? Yes. So, so the, the guy... I wonder... And it gets worse. So, this was... So the I, guy's on the run popping yeah. $400 because you can only get 400 out a day. No, you can get 500 out of uh, 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 Chase or Bank America. Bank of America. But they were doing... I, no, it was Bank of America, 400 Chase, you can get 500 But they were doing 400 at a time. So, of course, I didn't notice this because we have a daily limit on the card. And, uh, you know, you don't notice that. And then they got greedy, then they took th- uh, three in one day. It's a big pain in the ass, because, of course, my card has to be shut off. i got to sign all this paperwork before I can get a new card. So uh, if Miss Mickey leaves me, I'm screwed. <laughs> You'll be walking home. I will be. So she's the only one with, uh, with a card left. It was, it was disen- disheartening. And disheartening. Of course, yeah, disheartening. And, of course, I don't get the money back for three weeks either it's like you know like four thousand dollars wow yeah it's a big pain in the ass anyway i wonder where that i wonder where you went in la where somebody made either an extra copy of your thing or they got your pin number yeah i I looked at this because i'm you know i'm trying to figure it out i think you know those you know at a gas station they have that kind of that 
that thing they just plop down in the corner and, they say, and it has an ATM sign on it. I think it had to be one of those. I, I think those are the dodgy ones because basically, they, you know, they they get those ATM machines, they plug it into a phone line and into the power, and that's it. But they, uh, oh, you I, actually use one of those <coughs> portable ATM machines? Yeah, I did. I think that was wow. my, that was my mistake. So I won't be doing that again. But it's upsetting. It's pain in the ass. Anyway, then uh, Rhino took us driving, and five minutes from his house is Smithville. And Smithville, you'll recall, had this huge tornado come through April 27th. And uh, it was like five minutes from his house. I'm like, well, what did you guys do? He said, oh, there were tornado warnings going off everywhere. And uh, everyone was over at our house because we had the generator. We were watching the TV. But they have no uh, basements, no cellars, no place to hide. And they just, you know, just you hold on. That's what we do down here. We just hold on. Yeah, most of those areas, that part of the country, there's a lot of uh, the water, water table yeah, issues, so a lot of table. people don't build cellars. Yeah, you, it's hard to build a cellar. So they just held on, and they got lucky. And uh, But a lot of people didn't. Uh, Miss Mickey took some great pictures. I think she'll be uploading those, uh, parsed it to the Facebook and MickeySees.com as well. Uh, it was nice to see everyone rebuilding, though. That was kind of cool. And then uh, he... Uh, took us up to the birthplace of Elvis Presley, so I th- which I think is a much better deal than Graceland. Uh, you get to, it's uh, if you want to tour his house, which is a two-bedroom thing, uh, no, two, uh, just a two-room structure, uh, it's $4. If you want to visit the museum and the church, it's $12 per person. Hmm. So uh, that was good, and then we uh, then we started driving towards uh, towards Nashville, and then we actually drove up the Natchez Trace Parkway. You familiar with this? No. All right. Well, if if anyone ever says take the Natchez Trace Parkway, don't do it. <laughs> this is supposed to be like the this is like a beautiful road, and you you do go past some amazing things like beautiful waterfalls and Indian mounds, which is like wow, it's like. Indians made this mound of dirt. Cool. <laughs> it's, a, it's a mound of dirt. All right, yeah, great. I think there's a bunch of Indians inside. <laughs> but because the way this parkway is, you can't go over 50, 50 mile an hour speed limit, and it's strictly enforced, and everyone says don't speed because you get nailed. Because like, apparently cops hiding behind the, behind the mounds. Um, you, uh, the, the way it's built is there's trees on both sides, and you get tunnel vision. And we were on this thing for 100 miles. I was freaking out. It's very hard to drive on that. You don't want to do that. Hmm. But I did pick up uh, the local Amory, Mississippi newspaper. If, you want, if you're interested in a couple of local stories from what's going on around town. Are you? Uh, yeah, oh, everybody is. Okay. Uh, let's see. This is actually from Aberdeen. A motion was passed a few months ago to continue the furlough program for uh, teachers. $210,000. Teachers were furloughed throughout the school district. Three days spared the district from paying them for a day and a half's pay. So that's continued. The Aberdeen School Board has approved a network administrator position. $45,000 to run the entire Aberdeen school system. That's in there. And then there were local elections. So the whole paper is filled with election uh, ads. Boy, they take their election seriously. Are there any series. interesting or entertaining stories that you can give us? Well, the entertain the enter- there's two. The entertaining story that uh, uh, the what is his name? Hood is up for uh, re-election as sheriff. I forget his first name. And Rhino told us that uh, this Hood guy was uh, ran on a family values ticket, but he got caught with his mitri- mistress, 
uh, <laughs> just like the you know, thirty miles down the road in a motel. But he's still going to win. Never happened yeah, before, really. And there's an editorial from uh, Beth Boswell Jacks about planking and aw- an owling. See, this is just hit Mississippi planking and owling. And uh, I she's, know what planking is, but what's owling? Oh, owling is you sit, you perch on a uh, on a rooftop like an owl. And uh, here she says, once more, the object is to pose somewhere weird, this time in an owl position, so your picture can be made and posted online, causing you to be recognized as an outstanding player of the game. There are actually pages set up in the cyber world for people to share these photos. I have seen a few of these pages, and okay, I admit it, I howled with laughter, tears running down my face. Do I recommend planking and owling? Most definitely. No equipment necessary. All ages can play. Just bring your funny bone. Don't sit on the dog and stay off the rooftops and banisters. Have fun. And that, to me, is the epitome of the South, where everyone else is like, oh, planking is so dangerous, people are dying and owling. Don't sit on the roof. Oh, no. But in Mississippi, it's like, go do it. No equipment necessary. How much does it cost this plank and nothing good, son? Go plank. Go owl. Get out there. Well, well, you see that sociology, I see something different. What's that? During the Great Depression, pole sitting and oh, these yeah. sorts of activities. <laughs> they were huge. It was cheap. Were extremely popular. And all I'm seeing is, whoop, there's the cycle. We're right in You're the right. depression. We're in the depression. Oh, very good. Nice assessment. I like it a lot. I like it. So it's just going to get worse. Because it bottoms out in a year and a half, two years. Oh, man. I... So what do you mean? 2014 is when? Uh, no, 2013 will be rock bottom. We'll be dragging our ass on the bottom of the of the of the bottom of the bay right there. Boing, boing, boing. And um, so if you think things are bad now, wait. Another, we just wait. Whether so, Obama gets reelected or not doesn't so, make any difference. So I do want to thank uh, Rhino and his dad once again for uh, showing us a real good time. Uh, I make a little bit of fun of them, but they make more fun of themselves than uh, than I do. And uh, it was we had great food. Really appreciated that. By the way, we were, so we're in Nashville. We roll in uh, late uh, Tuesday night. Uh, yesterday, Miss Mickey went uh, into town. It's a it hundred and ten degrees. It's crazy here, and mm. she had uh, she needed a day of beauty. It's not easy living in a box. And I stayed in the RV, and I literally prepped for seven, almost eight hours straight. She got back. It's still a hundred and one degrees at seven p.m. We decided to go what? out to eat. What is it now? Uh, well, it's overcast today, so it's probably about 93. Oh, good. Yeah. We went to a place called Watermark. Wow, John, what a great restaurant. They've got food in this town. I had antelope. Nice. Yeah, and I thought antelope was only from Africa. No. Yeah, well, I, what do I know? But they actually make it in, uh, or they make they it. shoot it in most of the local zoos. <laughs> yeah, it was from the Jackson, Mississippi uh, Zoo, is where this antelope came from. <laughs> and then we had ice cream, and uh, this it was chocolate ice cream with harissa on it. Do you know what harissa is? I should know, but I don't. Yeah, harissa is apparently it's like the Tunisian Tunisia. They they use it like uh, like ketchup. They put it on everything. It's uh, essentially, uh, it's, a, it's like a paste made from uh, red chili peppers, salt, covered in olive oil, 
Um, they throw in some uh, some kind of hot peppers in that, and the taste on the chocolate was. It's like you eat this chocolate, you're like whoa, what is that? Like you know, like a, you got a snake bite in the back of your throat. Harissa, H A R I S A. Yeah, I think I've actually had it. Yeah, I know what it is. Yeah, it's a Northern African thing. The it's their version. So of what kind of a what kind of a ice cream shop gives you this? No, this was at the Watermark Restaurant, and they gave us the uh, the chocolate trio for two, which sounded very sexual, which is why we took it. And uh, and so it had it had uh, white chocolate with olives in it, which was another fantastic combination. Little uh, chocolate truffles, and then it had. Um, uh, this chocolate kind of uh, souffle, or the chocolate oozed out, and it had that harissa in it. It was great. It was really, really, and we had watermelon margaritas. Wow! Yeah, and and boy, we deserved it. It was the most expensive meal we've had on the trip, but it was really, really good. And uh, then tonight, uh, the big uh, Nashville meetup at the Big Bang, uh, Jeff Smith's Crazy Piano Bar here in Nashville. That'll start around seven o'clock. Finger food at the bar. Uh, unfortunately, 21 and over only. That's uh, the only kind of downside. You can't bring the kids, or you can. Just say it's yeah, a Some just states, say it's, a it's, really, it's really annoying. There's a number of states, and I think in Canada, where if you, uh, even if they serve food, you can't bring a, a, anyone under 21 if, if, there's a, if there's alcohol served anywhere nearby. Yeah, so there'll they'll be or none of that. there's a bar, technically a bar. Yeah, so it is a bar. It's not just technically, it's a bar. And we're looking forward to seeing uh, lots of the human resources tonight. And then tomorrow, we that's haul That's the out. Jeff Smith. That's the Sir Sir Jeff Smith. G-O- I don't know why I keep thinking he's in Florida. No, no, no. He's here in Nashville, baby. And um, then tomorrow, we haul ass. We're driving for eight hours tomorrow to Chicago. Mm. Yeah. She's a slave driver, man. It's like, I'm like, oh, let's just hang. No. No. We got to move. We gotta keep going. No sex for you. Drive. Let's take a look at the weather in Chicago. Yeah. Please let it not be 110 with 70% humidity. Please. I no, can't. it's usually more like 90 with 100% humidity, which is actually worse. <sighs> Unbelievable. Uh, it's actually right now, it's 80 degrees. It's not bad. Oh, it's that's cloudy. Good. That's nice. So that's a plus. That's nice. Um,. Yeah. So I just have one. I, I want to let you go on for a bit, but I have, I've, you know, it's, it's so typical. We have this big crisis, government in crisis season one, and the finale, and of course, all the media is focused on that. So it takes a couple days for any news reporting or anything to come through, or any good videos or clips or anything. And so now, of course, it's all hitting, and I just found so much amazing stuff. There was a, uh, I, I always watch the State Department's website. And they had this guy on, this shill, who is the State Department's representative in Libya. So, of course, we know that, uh, I guess we're still bombing Libya. I don't know. It's days, not weeks. It's now been, what has it been, John, four months? We're moving into our fifth month? Headed toward the fifth month. Headed toward the fifth month. So, That's a lot of days. Yes. We know that, well, it's technically days. We know that the uh, the European Union has opened up an office. We know that they have their flag flying in Benghazi. Uh, uh, I couldn't believe this guy. How long do you think the State Department guy has been in Benghazi? A week or, 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 or a year? Well, let's have a listen to his uh, little report here. Come on, Shill. Where are you? 
the hell is this? Oh, I hate it when this happens. Come on, play. I set up this whole thing just for this douchebag. Um, hello, good afternoon. I'm Chris Stevens. I got in from Benghazi a couple of days ago. I'm in town for uh, consultations in, in the department. Um, just briefly, I'll say a few words uh, at the top. Uh, I've been in Benghazi for about four months now. We got there uh, <laughs> uh, April 5th. Um, it was difficult to get in there at the time. There weren't, weren't any, any... Now, wait a minute. How does this work? We didn't even start bombing until March 25th? Yeah, he got there right away. He was, it was, so it's his boots on the ground from day one almost. And he's just like, oh, Apparently, I've yeah. Been, yeah, I've been in Benghazi for four months, you know, no big deal. I've been around. Flights, so we came in by a Greek cargo ship and unloaded our gear and our cars and uh, set up our office there. Uh, so we've been on the ground since then. My, uh, my mandate was to go out and meet uh, as many of the leadership uh, as I could in the TNC. Um, they've got their council, which is sort of their legislature, and they've got a, a sort of a cabinet. Uh, so I've met just about everybody in those two institutions. And, uh, and then I've gone around and, and with, with our small team and tried to get to know other people in the, in the society there. Um, of course, we, we operate in eastern Libya, not, not the part that Gaddafi controls. Um, and um, uh, the immediate concern when we got there was that Gaddafi's forces had uh, almost infiltrated uh, and, 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 and uh, taken over Benghazi, but were pushed out by NATO. Yeah. So there you go. I think these guys, the, you, we, we are so spot on with this. They really thought it'd be like we shoot a couple of hellfires at this guy. You know, we just get, hey, set up the office. It'll be over in a couple of days. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of you. The, the TNC, the transnational, which everyone's confusing with transitional. This guy even does it later. It's the transnational uh, council. Yeah, those guys got all the oil there. They got the central bank set up. It was a takeover from day one. It had nothing to do with raping people, killing people, anything like that. The whole thing is a total bogus scam, and this guy's just saying it like it's the most normal thing in the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we've just been there, yeah. He actually goes on to talk about... Uh, that's because nobody's covering any of this. They don't... They don't they, the government people, that's what's great about our show... Everybody can just say it, tell it like it is, because no, except for us and yeah, maybe a few other people, nobody covers it. Nobody no. cares. France just gave the Libyan re rebels two hundred and fifty-nine million of the frozen Gaddafi funds. This is what they're after, of course. You know, and the guy talks about. It. I, mean, I don't want to play. You can get the clip at three two seven dot nashownotes dot com. Uh, they're just waiting for the funds to be unfrozen in the U.S. and they'll send it a billion dollars, just one billion. You know, we got to keep the other uh, thirty-two of the thirty-three we stole. It's just, it's, it's, I'm just blown away. I'm blown away by how cavalier these guys are. And a guy looks yeah, like a you're dick. you're not really. Yeah, no, I'm not. You're not really not blown really. away. No, I'm not really blown away. What else is new? Just crazy. Well, you can do, uh, if you want to be blown away, you can play the uh, clip I have here. I hate to play it, but I'm going to do it anyway. The breaking news for Adam. Oh, my goodness. Do I need a jingle to set that up? Or uh, is it a real news? Or No, uh, no, no. Okay, hold no. on a second. Uh, Oh, wow. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time now for breaking news for Adam. Uh, thank you very much, John. 
Good evening, everybody. Breaking news tonight. The ratings agency Moody's tonight <laughs> confirming the AAA rating of U.S. Treasury bonds and in so doing, confirming what we've reported here for weeks, that the United States did not have to default and Moody's and S&P would not downgrade U.S. debt despite those agencies posturing and Treasury Secretary Geithner's fear-mongering. That's right, everybody. It's breaking news. Now we go over to China. Guan heads up Dagong, China's only independent international credit rating agency. While the big three, Moody's, Fitch, Standard & Poor's, watch and wait, Dagong has already downgraded the U.S. once <laughs> last November. And now on the back of the debt crisis, Guan says he's marking America down again. There you go. Yeah, yeah well, no, that, I know. No, I know. That, that's an agent. By the way, nobody pays any attention <laughs> no, of to that. Not. Of As course not. As a matter not. of fact, <laughs> if you play not. the PBS gets befuddled by the interest rates, you can see what really... Uh, the real reason, and actually what's really going on, which is that our uh, treasury bonds are, are in huge demand. Has actually dropped. So you mean that while there was all this terror about the bond vigilantes demanding a higher interest rate in order to lend us money, the interest rate kept going down? A lot of that was completely removed from the reality of what actually happened in the market. The market essentially said, excuse my French, <laughs> but you're full of it. In fact, ever since the ratings agency Standard & Poor's first signaled it might downgrade U.S. debt back in the spring, interest rates have been doing anything but follow the script. Going back to April 19, when those rating uh, threat announcements came out, as you can see, the interest rate just went lower and lower and lower and lower. And so what explains a plummeting of interest rates when everybody, almost everybody, including I remember the Financial Times, certainly the New York Times, was warning that the interest rate was going to go in exactly the opposite direction? So, John, help me understand. First of all, um, so far you, uh, I am wrong. And uh, but standards and poor still reserves the right to uh, to downgrade. Now you say they never will unless they want to to the head. So I, I'm willing to accept defeat. I'd like to understand a little better because I'm reading Bloomberg right now. Stocks tumble. Uh, there's a big drop on the Dow today as two-year Treasury yield drops to low. So just so I understand, the way it works is when people want, and this is what I don't understand: the supply and demand part. When people really want our bonds then the interest rates drop on those? Is that how it works? Well, it's only because the bond is a fixed interest rate for a certain dollar amount. So the bond, say it's a, it's a $100 bond, and say, I'm just going to throw some numbers out. A $100 bond, say, it gives off a 10% interest, which is not what it does, but I'm just going to explain it. And so if demand for this bond goes up because people want a safe haven, and it, and it starts trading, because uh, it's like a, a stock, it starts trading at $110, then the interest rate, since it's still a fixed amount of $10, the ten dollars on a hundred and ten dollars oh, is less. Got it. Got the yield. Less and, right. Right. And so when the thing goes to two hundred bucks, then the interest rate would be effectively five percent. Five percent. Ah. Okay. So, I got so it. So as demand goes up, interest goes down on those bonds. But why and is so this? That, why is this happening? Well, they said I didn't want to play the, do the whole clip, but that guy from this this trader that was on PBS explained that he believes that the debt crisis in the EU, which I have a 
a funny clip about, uh, which is causing nothing but uh, but hand wringing and the potential for the EU to uh, fall apart, Euro to collapse, yeah, and the and the Middle Eastern all the activity in the Middle East, which is causing dislocations. All this, you know, the, the kind of craziness that's going on around the world makes people very conservative, and so then they start putting their money. What they look around, they say, "What is the safest thing we can invest in?" Ooh. And they still believe it's the U.S. Treasury. And and. Gold today. Yes, and gold. Actually, gold is the other one, but there's a, both of them. Sixteen hundred and fifty-six dollars, John. You gave a sell indicator, I believe, around a thousand. I don't think so. Yeah, it was certainly twelve hundred, maybe eleven. Well, whatever it was, I think it's now is the time. But anyway, <laughs> no, I, I, no, it's gonna, <laughs> no, it's going to go to two thousand. You watch. I'm yeah, going to be keeling over from wealth from my yeah, one gold right. coin. Hey, I gave you a gold coin. Yeah, it's almost doubled in value. It certainly has. So I'm going to dump I think it you should soon. <laughs> you can, you can just, hey, <laughs> hey, what's this coin I see for sale on eBay? What's that? So, yeah, that so, was a present. Uh, you man. go to gold traders for these things. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so that's kind of what's going on, and I, I think this guy's probably correct, which is by creating a bunch of craziness around the world, I think that we have a lot to do with. I think it it just encourages people to invest in our bonds because they know they're going to get their money back. So they're going to lose their ass. They're giving you investing in the Greek bonds, which will give you like a ten percent return as opposed to the three or four percent you get from the U.S. bond or two percent. I don't know what it is right now. Yeah. Uh, is always a risk because if the Greeks go bankrupt, which can happen any minute, then you lose all your money, and there's nobody wants to do that. So, the, well, the let me ask, let me ask you let me ask you a question. Uh, let me ask you another question. So, uh, because the interest rates didn't follow the script, as we heard in that clip, and of course, all of this is scripted, what was the scam? Who was running the scam, and who wins? Who was running the scam that would get people to think they were going to lower? I think, personally, it was, a, it was an attempt, because I always believe that this goes on a lot in the market where, you know... It, you have a whole bunch of money you want to put into something. You don't want to move the market by taking the, like if you have like if it's if it's got like the float is really low. You don't have a lot of stocks out, a lot of shares outstanding. And if you you put too much money into it, you're going to push the price up. It's going to draw attention to itself. People are going to see what you're up to or whatever. Uh-huh. So one of the ways you go about trying to sneak your money in is to try to try to push the price down through through misinformation or rumors or gossip or whatever you can do. I think that the rating agencies did a saber-rattling thing to keep to stabilize the uh, oh. the demand in such oh. a way that big money, because the people who invest in bonds, you don't, I don't, but people who invest in bonds might be investing, for you, all you know, billions of dollars, and they can't afford to, to run the price up but you know, if you, if there's downward pressure, it could, it will stabilize as they buy in at low, right? It, it, it that actually has raised the price, but it wouldn't. It didn't raise the price the way it could have, which would have sunk the interest rate down to next to nothing. Right, right. That's my guess. I mean, I okay. don't know. You never know who's behind half of these scams. But well, it's a scam. There's an obvious scam because it was a script. So uh, you said something on the previous show, which I'm starting to agree with, and it falls under our uh, heading of. So I'm looking at the magic number uh, reports that came in for this week. John, stock tip alerts. Here we go, 33. Uh, The first one is the report. Wall Street averts worst slide in 33 years, according to the National Business Review. 
And then the L.A. Times has an op-ed by ex-Obama aide Lawrence Summers, who I actually kind of respect. He says there's a 33% chance, chance of a new recession. Now, if these aren't stock tips, then I don't know what is. I'm not quite sure what to do with the information, but they're, they're... I don't either. I haven't yet to figure out. You know, it's like it's, you got to see the movie uh, I mentioned it before, which is the the Ghost Rider. Yeah, you, I still haven't seen that. Or you, or you should, or people should go rant. And I've said this. We've said this before. We haven't mentioned it for a while. Uh, go rant the the TV series that was on for one small season. I think there was like ten episodes oh, or twelve Rubicon? episodes of of Rubicon. Rubicon, right. And Rubicon and and actually the Ghost Rider too. They it's, they show the how these codes work because if you have a bunch of people that are you can't be calling you can't be if say you're giving a stock tip out and you're like because you're deep in the government you have a bunch of buddies that have to get in on this deal you can't be calling them up and then they all buy the stock and then somebody traces the phone calls the SEC busts you and everybody else so you got to find some mechanism to get the word out and you know you secret code right you know, it's, it's kind of childish but like it's, it's uh, like a uh, like white smoke uh, at the Vatican for the Pope yeah it's not that secret but but it's something like that but anyway yeah. you you put so you say thirty three and then you have like you know thirty three words into an article or you have the thirty third <laughs> something you look on there and it says General Motors or it says Ford or it says right. something it means that maybe this is something you should buy or sell we don't know we have no idea, but we just we have been spotting this thirty three uh code for i don't know over two years, or three years, years now we years. have yet to, to figure out what what it leads to. Well, one day we'll figure it out when we have absolutely no It'll money to invest. It'll be too late. Yeah. It'll be still moved on to some other code. <laughs> right now, it's definitely still 33, though. There's no doubt about it. I love it. <laughs> you want to do your uh, EU thing, since I have it queued up? Well, uh, which one was that? A chit-chat about the EU? Oh, yeah. I just This was just a little confirmation of you know some of the beliefs that we have on this show that I thought was funny. It was Stuart Varney, who's kind of an idiot, but this is pretty funny. Time to get out your pencil, sharpen your list, and go shopping, even if we haven't hit the bottom. Okay, no, that's, that's interesting, because a lot of our viewers will be doing exactly that. But I've got one last wild prediction for yes, you. Yes, yes. That uh, Europe crashes. Europe. <laughs> that the Euro system completely breaks up. What do you think? I actually said the very same thing when this crisis began way back in 2007, and people thought that I had completely lost my mind. Uh, I still believe that we are potentially looking at the breakup of the EU. Don't forget, that's a political union, not a financial one, and they're finding out that the finances work more effectively than the politics. Keith Fitzgerald. Right. Well, that's not true. The whole thing started as a financial union, and then it became political. That's exactly the opposite. Yeah, but it's still under pressure. Yeah. Now, to show you how Varney is such a bonehead, you've got to play this. This happened. This I was the, got up early this morning, and I was just ch- I know, trying to I know, extra I know. I, your clips came in at like 8 o'clock. I'm like, oh, you fall out of bed? Did the bolts so, loosen? Uh, but, so I picked up. I picked up this breaking news today, and it's just an eye roller. And you have to, especially since you're floating around Texas and Mississippi, you have to really think this is very funny how panicked they are. But this is a British guy reporting this breaking news. And then he goes back to a story about uh, Alex Rodriguez, the baseball player. And then, of course, he doesn't remember his name. He, he thinks he's Mr. A-Rod. And he just falls apart at the end of this little report. But he interrupts with breaking news and just tell me that this isn't make you cringe. Right for one second, Jeff. Sure. We'll get your response in one second. I've got breaking news breaking now. News. Serious stuff. Yeah. Oh, uh, serious. Lockdown at Virginia Tech. 
A person with a gun has been reported on campus. Remember that 2007, there was a mass shooting at precisely that location, Virginia Tech. All right, a person with a gun has been reported on campus, Virginia Tech lockdown. Everyone's been told to stay inside, please. That's happening now. Now, um, I broke into a furious discussion there about the legitimacy of suspending uh, uh, Mr. A. What's his name? Alex, Alex Rodriguez. Alex Rodriguez, okay. Suspending him. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> yeah, that is kind of funny. A gun. A, a individual. A, a, gun. a gun. I could a go gun. to Richmond High, which is down the road from me, and I, if they took all the kids out of that school, I could find at least five kids with a gun. Yeah. You know what Miss Mickey said? She said, uh, if we move to Austin, Texas, then she wants, uh, she wants matching guns for our wedding. <laughs> you know, like the, like the gold-plated gun. I love gun. the Dutch. This is typical. Some European comes over here and they have all this anti-gun stuff and then they move to Texas and immediately get armed she, to the teeth. She's not anti-gun at all. Yeah. No, she's not anti-gun. No, she wants the gold-plated, you know, the two-in-a-box. I'm like, yeah, honey, I'll get you that. No problem. With a pearl handle. With a pearl, pearl handle. handle. Mother of pearl handle. <laughs> and a laser sight. <laughs> All right, meanwhile, funny report uh, from Israel where uh, the slaves are revolting uh, because they're starving to death there in the desert. And uh, this has kind of been on the radar for a while, but now finally a couple hundred thousand people uh, took to the streets and uh, they're camping out in tents, very much like Spain. But listen to this report, and it's very funny because this, of course, happened, uh, the Arab Spring movement, which we know is completely created by techno-experts, primarily working for the State Department, which Hillary Clinton comes right out and says, we're just training him in social networking. It's the Arab Spring. Uh, So that's that's the fake movement. This one is real, as you hear in this clip, which is pretty funny. The Israeli government has certainly started to respond to the protesters' demands, but those demands are are widespread. These are largely middle-class Israelis protesting about the high cost of living, the high cost of housing, the high cost of food, uh, of childcare. They're basically saying that in this very expensive country, they can no longer afford to live. Some people have compared the the protests, more than 100,000 people here in in Israel, uh, of course, to the Arab Spring, and that isn't really true. It it is... (laughs) That isn't really true, as we know, because I'm well informed that that's all fake. So why isn't that true? Why isn't it inspired by Arab Spring, you douche? Perhaps uh, true that many Israelis have taken inspiration from what can be achieved when people go out onto the streets. But the demands of Israelis in Tel Aviv, Netanya, and Jerusalem and other cities are very different, of course, to those demands from people in Egypt and Libya and Syria. What these are are middle-class Israelis uh, complaining vociferously about the disparities in incomes between those many few Israelis on very high salaries compared to the, the vast majority of Israelis who are and actually very low salaries, but have middle-class Western aspirations. And I think the government has only now started to respond to some of those demands. So I think this whole thing is backfiring on them. Because of course people in Israel are going, hey, our neighbors over there, they, they got something done. Why don't we try that? And of course this is not in the script. Yeah, I never thought of the backfiring concept, but I think you're probably right. Because this whole thing was phonied up the, in the other places. And, of course, when it happened in places they didn't want it to happen, like, like where was it, Bahrain or wherever, they, you know, they put the, the kibosh on it real quick. But they, don't, they can't do that in Israel. 
You can't, you know, the, the U.S. doesn't can't bring in the Saudi troops. No, no, no. Into Israel. No, to I stop don't think so. People. Hey, send a couple of drones over there, Obama. <laughs> yeah, hey, we, wait until they start clobbering these people. Do you think that we'll have Anderson Pooper standing there and saying, "Oh, the Israeli government is killing people. They're, oh, they're people just want democracy." No, they're it's not, not going to happen. This story's actually been suppressed. Yeah, oh, totally. Because we can't have, like, civilized people, quote, air quotes, rioting on TV. And they're quiet. But you got to be careful, though. I mean, I think if you really start a ruckus in Israel, I think they kick your ass real quick. Well, if you got that many people, you can get away with it. But you're talking about suppressed stories, by the way. There's one happening up in Port Angeles. Uh-huh. They, you know, the, the U.S. has loaded up all our borders up with Canada with all these extra people, and they're putting an eight-lane thing in Vermont, which is kind of scandalous on some places. It used to be a, a one-road, you know, one-lane road that went from, from some town in Vermont to Canada, building a big eight-lane superhighway to go the into trucks. Canada. So they, trucks. So, so, so they could, well, it's not, actually, no, they're never getting, no, they're still not, they're getting two people a day. Going through the that's this one border stop, but it's just a waste. It's a government boondoggle. It's just a bunch of money to hire more people for the for their secret police for right. TSA. Right. So some kid that works for the border patrol up under Homeland Security up in Port Angeles spilled the beans. He said, "There's a, so it's a local story in the Port Angeles uh, Peninsula Daily News. You won't find it anyplace else. AP refuses to pick it up. Nobody picks it up. You can go to PeninsulaDailyNews.com and you can probably trace the story. The kid comes out. He says, look, we've got nothing to do. We sit around in these new offices that they built for us. There's nothing going on. They phony up overtime to make it look like we're doing something, but we take the overtime and then we don't do anything. We just sit around on overtime on the government dole. And so he blows the lid off this, by the way, which is, to me, I've never seen a government, very rarely does a government employee turn his nose at free money. Yeah, free cash. We don't. We don't. I When I work for the guy, well, you know, well, you know, that's the way it is. When you were a, anyway, a union organizer... So they exactly. So they finally fire. So they fire the guy, and then there's a little local stink. So they put it. They reinstate him, and now it's a kind of a scandal. But luckily, they're keeping a lid on it because they don't want this to get out of control. Yeah, so the government sh- ixnay, ixnay on the Amskay, dude. So everybody is shutting up. Is starting to shut down now, and it's just like the whole thing is like, why isn't the media? You know, anybody in the big mainstream media could have a field day with this guy. But nah, forget nah, it. Nah, I mean it's ridiculous nah, how nah, little we don't get. We get nothing. No, we get zero. In fact, I'm surprised the local paper even picked it up. Well, it's something that was really big, and that as an aviator, it just tickled me. Tickled me pink. Was this story from Nicholas Schmidl? Now, and I defy anyone to find an actual biography of Nicholas Schmidl beyond. Uh, this, which is, he speaks Urdu and Persian and has worked throughout South and Central Asia as well as Africa and Europe. Mr. Schmidl has appeared on NPR, CNN, BBC, and ABC to discuss terrorism, Al-Qaeda, and the Taliban. He's a resident of Washington, D.C., and a graduate of James Madison University and American University. So this guy is obviously a spook. He writes in New Yorker magazine a Tom Clancy novel about how they got bin Laden. I mean, I oh. Oh, did you read this thing? 
No, but I'm going to go read it immediately. Oh, you have to read it. Here's a little uh, audio of a video report, and then I want to pull apart a couple pieces of uh, of this writing. Well, for real page turner, this uh, account. A real page turner, right there. It says a real page turner. Of course, we have to put into your mind that this was a real operation that we got the real Usama Osama, whatever his name is. Advertising is based on interviews with officers who are intimately familiar with the mission. We're getting new information about how the SEALs fought their way through that compound and about the critical moment when they entered Osama bin Laden's bedroom. Less than 18 minutes into the 38-minute raid came the crucial moment. Navy SEALs had fought their way through Osama bin Laden's compound, killed his courier, the courier's brother, and bin Laden's son. They blasted through cage-like metal gates on the stairways. As a small team of SEALs reached the third floor, one of them turned to his right. He sees this tall individual poking his head out of the door. Tall individual with a fist-length beard. The SEAL, says Nicholas Schmittel, instantly sensed that was bin Laden. Middle's article in the New Yorker magazine presents nuanced, riveting new details of the Bin Laden raid. He bases his reporting on sourced conversations with special <laughs> operations officers who it's had great. intimate knowledge of this? the raid. It's great. Hold on. It's all, this is great. Hey. Schmidl says he did not speak directly with SEALs who carried out the mission. The SEALs' identities are classified. Some of this detail had already been reported by CNN. Schmidl writes that when the SEALs rushed down the hall and into that room, two of bin Laden's wives had placed themselves between the SEALs and bin Laden. Newly reported by Schmidl, an account of how the first SEAL into the room had to act in a split second when he encountered split bin Laden's second. youngest yes. wife, Amal. Amal is, is, is yelling hysterically. This is Schmidl. He begins to approach the first SEAL. And the concern is that they're wearing suicide explosive vests. And so he, sh- he shoots Amal once in the calf to disable her, and then proceeds to grab Amal and the other woman, wrap them in a bear hug, and turn his back to the SEALs and sort of push them off to the side. And he holds them, or why does he do that? He holds them so that if they explode and they blow up, that he'll soak up the impact of that blast, and, and sort of the mission can then go on behind him. He knows he'll die in the process. Pretty die! Much. There were no suicide vests on the women. Oh. Then a second SEAL moved into the room, according to Schmidl, raised his M4 rifle, trained an infrared laser on Osama bin Laden's chest. Is there anything said at that moment? There's nothing said. I, I, I asked and asked and asked. I kind of wonder whether there was some sort of dirty, hairy moment, and there just simply wasn't. It was, uh, it was all split second. Shoots bin Laden once in the chest, and then bin Laden begins falling back and shoots him once above the left eye. Yeah. Bin Laden falls down, and he... Shoots him again. He says uh, on the radio, you know, for God and country, Geronimo, Geronimo, Geronimo. (laughs) Geronimo, the code word for the... Geronimo, Geronimo, Geronimo. So I read this thing. John, so here's what happened. Wait, hold on. Can I ask you to stop for a second? Mm Mm-hmm. This took place after midnight, right? Yeah, and they were and and they they were actually thinking. I I think this is bogus, by the way. Duh. They were actually thinking that. That somebody's going to be wearing a suicide vest to bed. Hey, honey, can you scratch my back? Boom! Come on. Let me set the alarm. That's not the alarm. No. (laughs) This this whole article. So this joke. This guy, this Nicholas Schmidl, who I cannot find, and he has no no history. None. You can't find it. Please. I, I looked for an hour. At Google, not helpful. So he's been scrubbed from Google. His wiki page has nothing on it except the same bio he has on his nicholasschmidl.com website. But from his uh, time... So he got hired to write this. uh, Because, of course, we have to, you know, we have to dramatize it and make it great for the stupid slaves who believe this stuff. Here it is. He's talking... So, uh, of course, my interest is is piqued when they talk about the chopper pilot. So here it is. 
He wore a noise-canceling headset, which blocked out nearly everything besides his heartbeat. Now, I've been in military helicopters. <laughs> what is it? What, does he have, like, a Bose headset? You know, no. All right. All right. Okay. But as the pilot passed over the compound, pulled into a high hover, and began lowering the aircraft, he felt the Black Hawk getting away from him. He sensed they were going to crash. And it goes on a little bit. And here's this. This is my favorite. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton followed him, as did everyone else who could fit into the office. On the office's modestly sized LCD screen, Hilo 1, grainy in black and white, appeared above the compound, then promptly ran into trouble. Now, wait a minute. They, they're landing two, they, they got a, two helicopters. They want to fast repel uh, the seals down them. But somehow they have a, a camera on the ground, which is, uh, I guess they got a crew, a camera crew on the ground shooting pictures of Hilo 1. Yeah, a, a B-roll. Yeah, a B-roll, exactly. When the helicopter began getting away from the pilot, he pulled back on the cyclic, which controls the pitch of the rotor blades, only to find the craft unresponsive. The high walls of the compound and the warm temperatures had caused the Black Hawk to descend inside its own rotor wash, a hazardous aerodynamic situation known as settling with power. Now, stop, lie, bullcrap, get out of here. Settling with power is often misused as a term for vortex ring state. And without getting into all of, all of the details of it, if he indeed got into vortex ring state, it was not necessarily caused by high temperature and by um, an enclosed compound. The way you get into vortex ring state is you descend too quickly for your forward airspeed. I know because it's, it's an essential part of the training how not to die when learning how to fly a helicopter. So the only thing I can think that happened is he either had an engine failure or uh, he was too loaded up because apparently this Black Hawk had skins on it. This is something new. Skins that, uh, that, that made it stealthy. And there was just too much crap hanging off of this thing. He didn't have enough power, and the thing just started to float down, so he decided to crash it into the, into the wall. Um, but it just shows you that this, this whole thing... And by the way, this is almost lifted directly from other reports. This Nicholas Schmidl guy is a total shill, a douche nozzle. And it's, it's despicable how they've hired this guy with no history other than more articles like this, to write a Tom Clancy novel. And it, you have to read it. He wore a noise-canceling headset, which blocked out nearly everything besides his heartbeat. <laughs> what a crock. And That's Hil a good one. And Hillary is watching on the grainy, modestly-sized LCD screen, grainy black and white, as the Hilo 1 appeared above the compound. This is, th that makes no sense. <laughs> and by the way, why don't you release that B-roll? That would be great. So they had a camera crew on the ground, apparently. Yes, yeah, what it sounds like to me. Or a guy with a helmet cam who's just looking up. Uh, uh, come on in, Hilo 1. It's total bullcrap. Planning and executing the mission to get Bin Laden, courtesy of the New Yorker. Unbelievable. And there's all stuff in there like, they, they, they talk about how they, they chuck this body overboard. It literally says in the article, it says, <laughs> you know, they gave him his uh, Muslim rights and threw him overboard. 
They didn't like let him slide One, off a plane. <laughs> yeah. Three. <laughs> they say like they're a drunken well, sailor. They get two thing. guys hold arms and legs <laughs> and swinging back and forth. That's what it reads like. They just <laughs> chucked him overboard. Hey, there you go. Good riddance to you. <laughs> Hilarious. In Here it is. I'll, I'll, I'll read it to you. I'll read it to you. All along, the SEALs had planned to dump Bin Laden's corpse into the sea, a blunt way of ending the Bin Laden myth. Wow, thank you. They had successfully pulled off a similar scheme before during a Dev Gru helicopter raid inside Somalia in September 2009. SEALs had killed Saleh Ali Saleh Naban, one of East Africa's top Al-Qaeda leaders. Naban's corpse was then flown to a ship in the Indian Ocean, given proper Muslim rights, and thrown overboard. <laughs> Fantastic. Ministry of Truth, you stunned well, me. Well, the problem is if they just shut up. <clears throat> yeah, we had forgotten about it. Yeah. And now they're back on it, idiots. Yeah, very poorly done. Poorly executed. Yeah, but a good read. It's a real page-turner. <laughs> Please. Now, wait, I, I, let's go back to my question. Where did you get this clip? CNN. Oh, brother. Yeah, of course. CNN, they, they have exclusive access to the guy. But please find me a CNN, history. Is this the same CNN that fell for that hoax about Microsoft Internet Explorer users are dumb? Well, they are. You see that one that took no, place last no, week? This no, is a big deal. I don't think I... I, I, I think you I was... this one. Okay, let me just explain it real quickly. <laughs> okay. Somebody, some phony baloney uh, research company. By the way, I thought you'd pick up on this because this is. A, I, what no, I, I, I actually be. saw it and I was like, ah, oh, really? Yeah, we could have we could have used it to show how PR companies make the news. But go ahead. Yeah, but but this was just a hoax. <laughs> it turned out to be a complete hoax. There was no report. There was no study. There was nothing. But they they sent it out there, and then CNN and a bunch of British newspapers picked it up right away because everybody wants to believe that anything's got anything to do. They hate Microsoft; it's just wishful thinking. Yeah, and so they all ran with the story, and it turned out to be a bunch of bull crap. That you know, people with a, that use IE have a lower IQ. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. But it's, it's like you know these kinds of things. It just CNN was one of the people that bought it hook, line, and sinker. Idiots. They, no so wonder their ratings are down. They don't have any. They, they don't do the right thing. They don't play along with the right. They, they're dumb. They're dumb. People who are on CNN are dumb. Don Lemon, you're dumb. Yeah, they're dumb. I got something here so, for you. So meanwhile, on the British, the British media, because I I, I I took this clip by the you took a the way, uh, you took a John trip to Lo- you took a quick trip to London while we were driving. I wish. Yeah. Uh, I, I lifted this clip from uh, John Stewart, who was who was irked by the fact that the British cut out one of his bits when they took the show in, into Europe. Yeah, because it, it disparages somebody or something like that. No, it's because apparently it's against the law in in England to use uh, any footage from Parliament in, in on a comedy show or as a satire. What's the clip? So the clip is the poo clip. So he's ridiculing them. So all I have is just the clip. There's nothing, no, nothing with Stewart in it. But I just thought this was hilarious because this uh, kind of represents what you get on British TV. Having opened up her heart to Gillian, I'm afraid it's Laura's bowels that are next on the list. She needs a poo sample. If you switch to fresh fruits, vegetables, beans, grains, seeds, nuts, legumes, seaweeds, you will produce a completely different poo. One that is aromatic. <laughs> Wait a minute. 
I this thought- is all poo is aromatic, <laughs> but it's completely differently ar- aromatic. You know the you know the uh, phrase his shit don't stink. Well, there you go. Yeah. So do the British use the word poo? Yeah, a lot? they do. Yeah, they do. They do. Poo. <laughs> poo. <laughs> poo. Poo. Uh, well, what is it? Well, how can we change the smell of my poo? You have you. She gives you the list of things to eat. Oh, like what? Something good? Well, uh, legumes, nuts, <laughs> all the good stuff, <laughs> and seaweed. And you smell like what? Like uh, a, aromatic, whatever like, that means. <laughs> like a whale. <laughs> This one from the New York Times cracked me up. The federal government has suspend, suspended a wildlife biologist whose sighting of, of dead polar bears in Arctic waters became a rallying point for campaigners of global warming, seeking to blunt the impact. The Bureau of Ocean Energy Management Regulation and Enforcement notified Charles Monnet, I guess it's Monnet, on July 18th, he had been placed on administrative leave pending an internal investigation into, quote, integrity issues, according to a copy of a letter posted online by public employees for environmental responsibility. So I guess this guy was out there saying, the polar bears are dying! They're dying! And it wasn't true. Well, we know for a fact that the polar bear population has actually growing. increased. Growing, yeah. Since the uh, global warming scandal began. So there you go. Of course, this is not. No, I mean, this should be. Yeah, this is Anderson Pooper should be all over this, keeping him honest. But oh <laughs> no! Oh no! No, we shan't do that. That would be a really. So bad I have idea. a. I, I I was watching the uh, Japanese news, oh. and and they're actually keeping up with the the nuke. You know, the th- did you know this is the talk about under underreported? Did you know that the amount of radiation coming off that thing today is worse than ever? I've heard that, yeah. I don't well, know here, if it's true. Play the true. clip and you can catch up to the, what's going on. Uh, you got to help me. The newest news about Japanese nuke facility. Ah, yeah, it's like this, if, you, if you walk there, you die in like three seconds or something. The operator uh, of the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant says it has detected 10,000 millisieverts of radioactivity per hour at the site. It's the highest level since the nuclear accident in March. Workers of Tokyo Electric Power Company, or TEPCO, measured the amount on Monday near the pipes at the bottom of a duct between the number one and the neighboring number two reactor buildings. TEPCO has restricted access to the site and the surrounding area. It says the workers who took the reading were exposed to a maximum of four millisieverts. The utility says the high level is because the pipes were used to vent air containing radioactive substances from the crippled number one reactor on March 12th. It also detected a maximum of 1,000 millisieverts per hour outside in the debris, as well as a maximum of 4,000 millisieverts per hour inside one of the reactor buildings. According to the science ministry, a human exposed to 10,000 millisieverts would likely die within a week or two. Now, TEPCO also says that it has discovered about 700 tons of highly radioactive water on Saturday in the basement of an on-site building near the storage facility for contaminated water. It says the water contained 19,000 becquerels of radioactive cesium-134 per cubic centimeter and 22,000 becquerels of cesium-137, both very high levels. The utility is investigating how the leak happened, but it says that there is no danger of the contaminated water leaking out of the building. So you know what I think? 
No, these guys. <laughs> I, think, I, I love think, them. I think uh, these guys that have been exposed. I bet you their poop smells good. Yeah, I'll bet it smells. <laughs> yeah, it glows too, which yeah, is really cool. Yeah, they glow in the dark. So to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda. We do have a few donors uh, for this uh, week's uh, episode. Michael Miller, Sir Michael Miller of Tiburon, uh, Hot Pockets tour gas money, good for 33, 330 miles, assuming the Duchess gets seven miles of the gallon. What are you getting, by the way? Uh, nine. That's not bad. That's not bad. $166.50 from yeah, Not Sir bad when you, unless you consider that a Mack truck gets nine to the gallon. Uh, yeah, well, maybe, you should, well, yeah, hmm, interesting. Uh, Scott uh, Zepka, uh, Zep- donating Zep- for his 26th birthday on August 5th. We'll have a call out for him later. Naperville, Illinois, $111.11. He also needs an in the morning for his buddy Parth, who donated in March for his birthday, but didn't know how to add a comment on PayPal. In the morning. Stephen Cheshire in Yeovil, Somerset, $100. John and Adam in the morning, you both have been listening to the show from day one, but have now decided that enough is enough. It's time to take action against the evil overlords that control our every move. Please accept our transition from being boners to donors. We escaped Gitmo Nation East for a couple of weeks, and we are at the moment enjoying a wonderful delights of Southern Gitmo Nation stinky cheese. Uh, planning our escape from the clutches of the... Well, somebody's just listening to the show now, listening to all these codes. <laughs> They're like, is that a stock tip? What is this? <laughs> I should invest in Gouda. Please, can you give me and my wife a dose of karma for a new business venture? Yeah, I'd love to give you that, of course. You've got karma. Also needs a couple of uh, podcast licenses. Can you de-douche our daughter, Megan? Is she going through that stage of being a confused teenager? <laughs> You've been de-douched. Let me tell you, I got a, I got a daughter. It doesn't help. You can de-douche all you want. It's not going to work. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> Steve and Sharon. Um, yeah, let's see. Okay. Uh, sorry, I got this small screen here, so I got it. Sebastian Nilsson in Stockholm, Broma, Sweden. In the morning, you no longer hear the word terror, terrorist without tick like bursting out squirrel. <laughs> Response from the Swedish audience can vary and is often interesting. The donation is to my lovely woman, Anna Sustavov. For her birthday on the 5th of August, she's part Russian and could probably do a Russian Today spoof for you. Oh, Unfortunately, yeah. her English is perfect. Well, that, that's but what that we need. Worked yeah, that would work perfect. Is she hot? Is she blonde? She, if, she's works, if, she, if she listens to our show, she's got to be. Yeah, she could, when the iPhone <laughs> opens up more, I plan on changing my SMS signal to really mess up people around me to the awesome chemtrails. Oh, yeah. Chemtrails. Everybody could use that as their uh, ringtone. Ulrich Hansen, Copenhagen, $60. I'm going on uh, vacation and get Monason Nation sushi. So here's next month's donation in advance. Thank you. Uh, Jack Ingle, Astoria, New York. But his last name is pronounced Null. Null. Interesting. So it's not like a Vietnamese pronunciation. Okay. Well, it's from a story. It's from Queens. It's Nye. Jack Nye. Nye? Hey, Jack Nye. Hey, Jackie hey. Nye. Little Jackie Nye Jackie over Nye. there. Jackie Nye. Hey, we got Frankie Blue. We got Jackie Nye. 
saying they'd be sending my money to the state coffers. Hey. Due to inactivity in my account. And by the way, that can that happens in most states. Hickory your, dickory duck. Check your PayPal account because they, they will confiscate it. He yeah. sent us $57, which is what was left. Joseph Esposito, Joe the Dish Slave in Stockton. 55 double nickels on the dime. Sorry, it's been a while too easy to lose track of things. Re-up my $5 a month after my credit card got hosed. Looking forward to a Hot Pockets tour hitting California. Please fire some karma along to my mother. You've got karma. Also, double nickels on the dime from Minuteman Ty and Mossman, Queensland. Uh, like to congratulate Madam Tash on the birthday of the newest No Agenda human resource, Chase Fitzgerald. Hey. We'll, uh, we, we, we also congratulate Chase. Miles Corner in Phoenix, Arizona. Double nickels on the dime. Say, producer Miles in Phoenix welcomes everyone in Arizona to save the date for this year's PodCamp AZ, November 12th and 13th. Right on. All right. Andrew Haverson, $50. And he's uh, from Parts Unknown. Uh, Shane Pasco. Oops, I'm sorry. I just well, jumped to the Christopher. Top. Christopher. It's Shane. Uh, Christopher Lawton in Dartmouth, Massachusetts. Uh, $50. John and Adam, I've uh, been listening to the show about a year, so I thought I'd celebrate the anniversary with a donation. Hopefully, with more to come in return, I'd appreciate some karma for my second interview for a new job on Monday. You've got karma. He's been working for a six-form college for years and can't wait to get the hell out of there. What is a six-form college? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Joseph Costello, 50 bucks from Fifth Pittston, Pennsylvania. Uh, couldn't make the big bash in Chicago, so I'm sending a birthday shout out to President Obama and my ticket money. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Yeah, we can put Obama on the list. No, he's on somebody, the list. Trust me. Somebody, somebody paid. Yeah. And my ticket money and some karma to Adam and Mickey, so the black helicopters don't find the hot pockets mobile. And finally, Robert Dearden um, in Hoboken, New Jersey, another fifty dollars. We want to thank everybody who donated this uh, week, and uh, we hope to continue this with. Uh, make sure to go to noagendashow dot com, dot org slash na, channel dot com slash na, and noagendanation dot com, and help us out for the next show, which is coming Dvorak. up on Sunday. We've been kind of light on these Sundays. A. I'm sorry, I stepped on you. What did you say? We've been kind of what? We've been kind of light on Sundays, and it would be yeah. nice if people... Um, yeah, that's weird. Oh. It's weird. But yeah, Sunday is not, uh, not so good. Uh, but we do this program with great love. Uh, Miss Mickey and I uh, uh still together, I think. Yep, we're still together. And, um, and that's uh, part of our service to you is this No Agenda... Hot Pockets 2008 tour around uh, the United States. I have to say, um, we're going to have to do a 2009 tour. There's no way we can hit anywhere we wanted to. I mean, we're basically doing about 45% of the U.S. And you know what the problem is? You know what we miscalculated? Is the show prep days. I need a full day, stationary, in a spot with connectivity in order to prep for the next day. So it's a problem. It's a huge problem. So we, we basically, it's like Nashville. We got here Tuesday night, all day Wednesday. So th- th- think about how it eats into the schedule. All day uh, Wednesday I'm prepping. We have the show, which of course, you know, uh, by the time I'm done, it'll be 2 o'clock after everything has been uploaded. What time is it now? It's already, it's already 1, yeah. So it'll be 2.30, 3 o'clock. Then we have the meetup tonight. And then tomorrow morning we get up the crack of dawn, hungover. And then we drive for eight hours to get up north. It's, it, it, it is no way. If, if it was just us driving and, and, and driving by and waving at everybody, yeah, we could do a lot. 
But the show really... Well, you still have to pull over to do the show. That's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah, the problem so, is So, yeah, no, show. it's a grind, and I'm sure that you're suffering for it. And I would encourage people to, uh, you know, encourage this, because personally, I would, and I want to say this to the audience, I'd like to get the donations up a little bit, because I would like to just see Adam on the road constantly. <laughs> I think all year, all year round. No, this is not a good idea. This is not a good idea. We I think it'd be great for the people out there. I'd love to see you. Yeah. So, well, by the way, I want to mention something when people think about you know the donation model we have. PBS, I don't know if you've noticed this, but PBS TV, they have decided, and they've done this on a couple of shows already, they're experimenting with They interrupt the show in the middle now and start running ads. Yeah, every 15 minutes. In the middle of the show. Yeah, every 15 minutes. I know. Just like TV, you know? Yeah. Give me a <laughs> yeah. break. Just like real Ministry of Truth stuff. No, I know. It's it's despicable. And we, we don't interrupt the show for ads. Can you imagine? We're right in the middle of something. It's like, oh, hold on a second. We'll tell you how you can change the smell of your poop right after this. I mean, think about how disruptive that would be. Yeah, I mean, we do this. We do a donation break, but we but do, but we make it entertaining. We talk about other things, like you know the fact that you know you lo- you just love being on the road <laughs> and uh, that kind of thing. Anyway, I just love it, John. It's so Divorc- great. It worked out. Well, you look happy. You got a smile on your face in all the pictures Mickey takes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Unless you woke no, up with a coat hanger in your mouth. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, that's the pictures Mickey selects is what you mean. <laughs> can you, by the way, can you wear something <coughs> other than you wear anything but a gray T-shirt, that same gray T-shirt? Wash that thing. It must stink to high heaven by so now. So let me, excuse me, let me tell you about RV life with a woman. So here's how it works. We have no storage space. The storage space in the RV is for hoses and wires and stuff to connect, uh, you know, poop tubes, all that stuff. Then we have inside, we have two closets, a little mini, like, like a cabinet. It's where you store your dishware, your flatware. That's where our clothes hang. And then there's a, a spot where I have the gear. So Miss Mickey has three dresses and I have a T-shirt. Oh, come on. <laughs> I have a lot of great t-shirts. Did you see my Katy Perry bath towel, though? That was kind of hot, wasn't it? You were, I thought you were wearing a dress. <laughs> so I'm looking at the pictures, and there's a picture of you wearing a dress sitting at the... Uh, I'm thinking, this guy is flipped. Well, here's what happened. Is like He's flipped. Josh and his, uh, and his girlfriend or wife, fiance, whatever, advertising... They came over to take this picture, but it was right after the show in Austin. I was so hot, and I, I, I ran back to, and by the way, burned my feet because I had no shoes on because I was trying to keep cool in the RV with no air conditioning because uh, you know because the the power wasn't sufficient. So I'm burning my feet, running to the back of the house. I jump into the pool. Then he shows up. Hey, time to take a picture. So I like, okay, what am I going to do? I've got you know this really wet bathing suit, and my hair is all flat. So I put I put on the hat. And, uh, and I wrapped a towel around me, which happened to be Katy Perry, which I thought actually was one of the better pictures ever taken. The guy took it, by the way, with a Hasselblad, a digital Hasselblad. Oh, those things cost a... F- Who is this? Yeah, this is... Well, these are, this is what's living in Austin. Our producer, you got a $40,000 camera. That is one of the most expensive cameras yeah. you can even imagine. It costs money to look at one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, that's where my card got stolen, I think. <laughs> Anyway, some uh, makeup karma for Phil Flick. 
Uh, I guess we missed that. Phil has a job interview, could really use a little bit of karma, so here it comes, my friend Phil, looking at you. You've got karma. And let me see. Yes, we have, uh, well, we got a couple of birthdays, so let's roll those out. It's your birthday, birthday. to say uh, happy uh, 27th <clears throat> birthday to uh, Audrey, that is uh, Black Knight Sir George Vanderhorst, lovely MILF. Uh, she uh, celebrated this past week and she will remain 27 forever, he says. Then we have Ara Dadarian saying happy birthday to Alina Dadarian and Ara uh, Dadarian saying happy birthday to Stephanie Dadarian. Scott Respecca, Respecca. His uh, birthday is 26, is on the 5th, that'll be tomorrow. S- Sebastian Nilsson congratulates Anna Sustavovs. Uh, Sustavov for her birthday, I know, on the 5th as well. And uh, Joseph Costello says, Happy birthday to Barack Obama, our president turning 50. Hello everybody, it's my birthday, how you doing? So uh, that's our uh, birthdays. And then we have, uh, we got some uh, nightings, John, if you uh, wouldn't be so kind as to put down that rattle you've got, that that baby rattle, and let me see if I can, I don't, oh, there it is, yeah, I thought I didn't hear it for a second there. Oh, Oh, hello. Lena Dendarian, please step forward, and yes, who wanted me to call his buddy Tommy out as a douchebag, we just did that in case we hadn't done it earlier. Uh, Both of you have now reached the requirements of a knighthood in the No Agenda Roundtable, $1,000 or more. That means extending your ring finger will get you a No Agenda Knight ring. And I hereby pronounce the Sir Yaz and Dame Lena Dendarian, Knight and Dame of the No Agenda Roundtable. Please have a seat. Enjoy your hookers and blow your rent boys and Chardonnay. And remember, you too can become a knight or a dame. Dvorak.org slash N-A and we really need that support. Keep that coming. Summer months are slow. <coughs> Excuse me. It's very nice to see new people coming in, a couple new donors. That's great. Uh, but if you're still enjoying this show on your ever-increasing commute, as people are driving more and more these days, uh, consider helping us out because uh, this is what we do. <coughs> nothing else. I got nothing else going on. It's really what I've noticed. I'm driving around. <laughs> I'm driving on the road. I'm like... I got nothing uh, else to do but drive and do the show. How does that work? Uh, this is my I life. Think be, I think it should be your life. I think it'd be fantastic. And we're down to the landing gear of the plane. A lot of people don't know this, but Mickey and I have been eating the plane. We sold it. <laughs> yeah, we sold it for like, you know, not a lot of money. It's not a good time to be selling uh, boats and planes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we're down to the landing gear. Uh, already ate the prop. And uh, we're running out. We're running low. We're, we're, we're living that American dream, though, of just getting by. And I'm quite proud of yeah, that. Yeah, just getting by. Just getting by. So time to talk about crop circles, John. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Then so this little... Them. Hold on a second. <laughs> I got another sound effect device I was saving. <laughs> this is a... Vi- I have a this, is a... this is a very famous device called a Vibratone. Uh, musicians know about it, mm-hmm. and I think it'd be perfect to be playing in the background uh, why? as you talk about this. I don't. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> All right. That's cool. All right. You're whacking that thing. Nice. All right. You shut up. So, <laughs> this little ditty appeared on TV. TV. 
And uh, there's a couple of things in here that just prove to me now for sure the science is in crop circles are definitely made by aliens. No doubt about it. As this, this, uh, I forget his name, they'll say it in the clip. <laughs> this scientist, it's the, it's the Japanese guy. He's, he's, he does the, he has another book out. And mm-hmm. he's, and he's saying, uh-huh. crop circles are made by microwave ovens. What? <laughs> yeah. This is a new one. Yeah, yeah. He's so at, so what's going to happen is a bunch of scientists are going to go out and prove not that they can make crop circles with microwave ovens, but they can replicate crop circles, therefore proving the thesis that crop circles are real. Have a listen to the this. The author of Physics of the Future, How Science Will Shape Human Destiny and Our Daily Lives by the Year 2100, I guess. That's right. Michio, John's already taken responsibility for a few of these crop circles out there. Uh, but what are... He's not, talking about, he's not talking about you in that case, actually. What are the theories? What are the actual theories behind this? Well, if you have a stake, rope, and a wooden plank, and you simply rotate the rope around, you can actually create your own crop circle in one hour. Really? In 1978, that was the first recorded crop circle, and two pranksters admitted that they did it, and they duplicated for the press in one hour. So this, of course, is where you're still at, John. You're still at the plank and the rope. And they show these pictures of these really crappy crop circles. Nothing like the beautiful geometric <coughs> shapes. That, 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 yeah, but, okay. eh, just be quiet. Okay, just be quiet. This is my moment okay. of proof that crop circles are made by aliens. Now with GPS, lasers, and also with microwave ovens, <laughs> you can create intricate patterns as detailed as any that you see in science fiction movies. Why would you want to do that? Well, you know, for years, UFO buffs have been saying, no way can a human create these intricate circles up to 2,000 components Look at that one, in though. one crop circle. These are, these are pretty good. We'll show that video again. I mean, they're, they're complicated. Yeah. That's right. And that's why we physicists see this as a challenge. <laughs> it's a challenge. Here comes the challenge. But listen to the words he uses, because words matter. Okay. So, uh, in a few weeks, artists and physicists will be converging near Stonehenge in southern England, and we will try to duplicate exactly what we see in other crop circle patterns duplicate duplicate because they're made by aliens to prove that humans can indeed duplicate these things humans can duplicate humans can duplicate aliens wait a minute you mentioned gps you also mentioned a microwave oven are you telling me that people are bringing microwave ovens into a cornfield that's right you get a portable generator <laughs> that's right it to an extension cord take apart your microwave oven and you can actually use that to soften that's the corn that's a bad stocks. idea the corn stalks will then bend over very rapidly and remember you have to do it overnight you have to do the whole thing within just a few hours and you have to create these beautiful patterns very rapidly and microwave ovens could be the trick <laughs> I have no idea. Michio, are you getting in on this? You're going to Southern England, getting in on the competition? No, I have, I have, I have to teach, right? <laughs> you have to teach. All right. Well, we'll see how that competition goes, bring you back for maybe some analysis. Mm-hmm. There you go. So this guy is so stupid. He's just had to sell his book, of course. He's so stupid. He's actually suggesting that scientists, smart people, are going to go into a cornfield at night with a generator and uh, uh, an exposed microwave oven to make these crop circles. I can't wait. So this is it. This will be the proof. When they make these crop circles that replicate these fantastic geometric shapes made by aliens, when they do this, then I'll shut up forever with a microwave oven. I want nothing in the dark. 
a generator, and a microwave oven. You make that, I'll shut up forever. But it ain't going to happen. They're real. Okay. Are you done? Yeah. Yeah, of course I'm done. So, uh, well, let's see. I, I'm not going to argue about this no. anymore. I've given up. <laughs> yeah, you should, because they're real. <laughs> well, they are re- they're real. It's their, their origin is what is at issue. Have you heard about Prop 19? Uh, not a recent Prop 19. Which is, what is Prop 19? They're bringing it back. The Regulate, Control, and Tax Cannabis Act. Oh, oh, Prop 19, the Dope Act. Yeah, the Dope Act. They get they get enough signatures, they're going to run it again? Yep, they're going to run it again. Good. And, and here's what gets me. Let me just say this. Just a it's it's, it's actually not good, but I'll listen to your pet peeve. Go okay, ahead. why is it not good? Because Monsanto is now sponsoring the act. Oh. What we well, don't want good. is Monsanto creating genetically Some modified f- seeds of this magical plant. Yeah, that wouldn't be good. I and, agree with that. And by the way, and that's why I think it'll pass, because Monsanto's in on the game now. Well, at least it'll pass. That's a start. Right, but but it, but if you read the new act, and I have parts of it, it's talking about, it's it's regulate and control, so you'll only be able to buy your seeds from Monsanto. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's no good. No, of course it's no good. And the marijuana, the 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 hemp plant is a magic. You can burn. You can put that in your car. You can make clothes. You can smoke it too, which is also nice. I'm reliably informed. Well, it gets me about the first go around. Here we are, the state of California, the most liberal state in the country, with with Democrat uh, senators and Democrat run run legislature. Everybody's rarely you get a Republican that sneaks in once in a while, like a Schwarzenegger. You know, super liberal, oh, and, you know, a bunch of Berkeleyites talking about the legalization. They get the opportunity to legalize marijuana and they vote no. What is wrong with these people? Well, well that's, 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 that's the end of it. That's my pet peeve of the day. Oh, you want a pet peeve jingle? We can do that. John C. Dvorak's pet peeve of the day. Bastards. Total bastards, I tell you. So I have some real news if you want to play the Access Hollywood clip. And now, back to real news. John, we have some real news, and it's coming to you from the Grove in California. That's right, in Los Angeles. There we have Gino, whatever his name is. <laughs> I'm trying to get the clip. That's uh, the extra guy. Yeah, I know. What's, what's his name? His name is Gino, isn't it? Lopez. Mario Lopez. Yeah, Gino Lopez. Right. Gino. Oh, my fingers are sl- are getting greasy again. Uh, let me try that one again. I didn't feel good about it. Yeah. And now, back to real news. That's right, everybody. Thank you very much, John, as we go over to the Grove in Hollywood for Gino Lopez. Here we go. Here we go. Extra, extra. I'm just so devastated and so sad. Gaga's Winehouse emotion. You know, I just think the most unfortunate thing about it all is... As she mourns the loss of Amy, now Lady Gaga reveals who scared her straight. Well, I was so embarrassed. Plus, was Winehouse planning to adopt this child? Aloha, Aniston, Jennifer's Hawaiian getaway with Justin. And where did Angie get very emotional with Brad? Another royal wedding, this one featuring Prince William's Bon Jovi moment. And do you notice something familiar about Kate's look? 
Did the Space Invaders really think they stood a chance against Indiana Jones and James Bond? I'm Maria Menounos with the Cowboys and Aliens Heroes. We'll be right back. Wow! Who needs gravity? I'm Sean Robinson, and I'm head over heels for a new Summer Shape Up workout. Wow. Where's Gino? No, that's that's extra. This is Access Hollywood, oh, a different show. Oh, I messed it up. Mario Lopez, Gino. So uh, the the this is this show is isn't as lively as a tease because they don't have enough of that extra 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 extra. And, it's, yeah. and it's a and this is the royalist show. They always have something about the British monarchy in this show. Well, yeah, that's that's who's paying for them. They need to keep I that know, up. I, I find it distressing. Yeah, it is. I don't think that the British monarch is that interesting, and I don't care about these weddings. Well, Pippa, Pippa is kind of hot. She got a nice butt. Pippa, mm. Pippa. Um, so there was some actual news that uh, that was interesting. This is uh, McAfee, the guys who infect your computer to then go and uh, disinfect it. You, you install a virus to detect other viruses. And uh, McAfee came out with a report. Uh, the report called Shady Rat. Did you see the report, John? Shady Rat. No, tell me all about it. Shady Rat. Oh, I happen to have a clip about Shady Rat. It's worth uh, pointing out that Shady Rat, the R-A-T, actually stands for Remote Access Tool, but it's a pretty uh, convenient uh, title as well. <laughs> the attacks go back at least five years, and they span the globe. And McAfee suggests a state actor could be behind the hacking, but uh, it seems you guys are reticent to point a public finger. Do you know who the state actor is? Well, we're not in the business of attribution, so we're not going to point fingers publicly, but we do believe based on the uh, uh, some of the institutions that were impacted, such as the United Nations, such as the Olympic committees, uh, that this had clearly a political as well as an economic purpose, and we believe that uh, one nation state uh, is behind it. And do you know who the nation state is, but you're just unwilling to say? We're just not in the business of attribution, so uh, while we have uh, our suspicions, we're, we're not going to publicly um, uh, point fingers. <sighs> so McAfee apparently um, gets reports from your computer, I guess. How else do they know? And uh, this is, you know, there's break-ins everywhere at banks, at companies, uh, the uh, International Olympic Committee, governments... And they say, well, it's a state actor. Well, yeah, it's Hillary Clinton and her techno experts who are doing it. That's why he's not saying it. Why don't he just come out and say China? No, he's not going to say China because it's not China. It's the State Department. But we're not in the business of attribution. That's what he's hinting at when he says state actor. State. 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 Because state is... China's state not a state. Department. No, they're a country. Yeah. Why didn't he say a country actor? Yeah. Why didn't he say a Hollywood actor? Or a government. He could have said a government. A government. No, he didn't say that. No, he state. said a state. State. Hint, hint. Yeah, state. It's a little bit of a stretch, but I like it. I, I'm, I'm buying it. Yeah, well, uh, we're not in the business Words of matter, attribution. Kind of yeah, why doesn't he... We're not in the business of attribution. Well, what the hell is that? I mean, why... Someone should force him to say it. <laughs> they should waterboard him. Waterboard of waterboard McAfee today, courtesy of No Agenda. Here's something funny I found from Wolf Blitzer. You know how Wolf Blitzer is always talking about his blog. Go read my blog. It's on my blog. Do you think he? Do you think he writes his blog? No. 
<laughs> That's correct. Until September 7th, the House is now in recess. Senate now is going to go into recess until September 7th, so there's going to be a five-week break. They ran to the airports, Reagan National, Dullis, uh, Baltimore, Washington International Airport as quickly as they could get out of... I write about this on my blog today, at our Situation Room blog. I want you to read it. Let me know. What an idiot. What a stupid idiot. I read this he on my blog. He, <laughs> he didn't say I blogged this. He didn't say I blogged this today. He says I read about no, it on my blog. He read it on his blog. <laughs> I was so surprised. Quickly as they could get out of... I write about this on my blog today. I was so amazed. It was on my blog. That's <laughs> dork. That's hilarious. I got a douchebag. Douche yeah, total douchebag. That, that is the clip of the day, by the way. It was hilarious. I just thought it. I, <laughs> I thought read it, it on my I blog. Thought it, I, uh, I'm like, really? I mean, how stupid can you be to say this? I mean, seriously. Hey, since we've had uh, a number of uh, sponsors and donors and uh, advertisers, whatever you want to call it, from Down Under, I think it's time once again. Get more nation down under. Things are getting rough. Get Monation down under. Crikey, I think we're stuffed. If you think security at international airports is already a hassle, this is what the future looks like. I should probably set this up and say the naked body scanners have come to Gitmo Nation down under and they're using the exact same scripts to sell it to the Aussies. The federal transport minister was among the first to give the new full body scanners a try. Uh, By the way, he didn't go through either, just like Janet Napolitano. He didn't go through. He's standing next to it. And they have nothing but hot chicks going through this thing. I swear to God. The whole package, the whole news package, is good-looking girls. This is the alarm. I will press three. And smart is all good. Right. We make uh, no apologies for doing what we can to make security our number one priority. Recently, body scanners in the U.S. were modified so they were no longer able to capture images of passengers' genitals. Ah. Anthony Albanese says people here have nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about! Nothing to worry about! We're not looking at your junk! The person and any of the features which they may have... Like his huge schlong! Uh, ...cannot be identified. Except Adam Curry, because that man has an elbow on that thing. Either way, privacy groups don't like it. These scanners are going to create, at some point, before you get to a stick figure, a genuine naked image of a person. There's also been concern the scanners could be a health risk. Oh, wait, John, what, should we, what do you think they say about the health risk? What do you think? What oh, do you think? it's got the same radiation as your cell phone. <laughs> it's better than that. Because they expose passengers to radiation. radiation. 10,000 uh, times through this system is equivalent to one mobile phone call. <laughs> Wow. 10,000 times through the system. <laughs> you thought so one this, time. So do, does this great news report that you're playing us, does it mention the fact that our own Congress is, has publicly said that these things have been studied and they don't work, A, and B, have they ever mentioned that no independent operation has ever looked at these things? Or that they have to reinforce... mention any of that in this report? Or that they have to reinforce the floors because otherwise they'll drop down to the basement? Did they mention any of that? Let's listen. During the trial stages, they'll only be used when passengers set off metal detectors. They'll then be given the option of a scan or a pat-down by security staff. But once fully rolled out, some passengers could be forced into taking a scan. Well, I think it would be less invasive than, like, a full-body pat-down. 
totally hot, this chick. Yeah, for sure. It may be an inconvenience, but I think it's a good idea. It's a good idea. will be trialled at Sydney Safety. Airport. That safety from tomorrow Better for be almost safe than sorry. three weeks. Then it's Melbourne's turn next month before a planned national rollout. The trial will cost taxpayers six million dollars. The government says it's a small price to pay to increase passenger safety. Simon oh. Helen, ABC News. Hey, oh, wait, good job. Wait a second. Wait, wait. Got another question. Yeah. Have, have planes been dropping out of the sky left and right in Australia and been from of terrorists because they were increasing passenger safety? How many? This must be terrible over there. What's going on? It's really bad. We've got Taliban, Al Qaeda, Al Shabaab, everything going. It's, like, it's a big mess. Hmm. Yeah. Better be safe than sorry. <laughs> but again, nothing but hot chicks in that video. And the one who got the pat down. She like moving around her boobs. It was like total girl on girl porn. This it was great, great, loved it, great. Get more nation down under. Things are getting rough. Get more nation down under. Crikey, I think we're stuffed. Boom. Right on. So. uh I caught the end, uh, the, the rollout of uh, just play uh, the, the most disgusting show on television. Oh, <laughs> I can only guess what it is. Let me guess. Do I do I do I say it? Go ahead. Toddlers and tiaras. Yeah, here this is <laughs> classic. We can't forget the goodies. Uh, next time I want to be a queen. Oh, thank you. I'm gonna put my crown in the cabinet. That's from the Serenity. If Serenity says she wants it, and until God just tells me, hey, this is just a horrible, bad thing, then I guess we, we could still do the glitz pageant again. Right now, Chloe is definitely on a winning streak. Hopefully, we can keep it up. She won cash last weekend, and then this weekend, she turns around and wins cash in the highest title. So far, we're doing pretty good, you know. Thank you! Look. I wanted this crown. Go! If you touch it, it'll bite you. Oh, God. Touch it. This is Pete Bear's dream show. <laughs> it's horrible. Oh, my if goodness. Touch, if you touch it, it will bite, bite you. Touch it, she touch says. It, and that's how they wrap the show. And, and they giggles. do a close-up. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> it's the worst. And while we're on that, in the United Kingdom of Gitmo Nation East, Church Child Protection Chief caught with 4,000 child porn pictures on his computer, his work <laughs> laptop. He admitted Why to... Why else would you have been that game? Yeah. He admitted to 12 counts of actually making... Images <laughs> when he appeared before magistrates in Plymouth and is likely to face jail when he returns to court. You think? <laughs> oh man, it's unbelievable. This is like who's watching the Watchers? Yeah, well, that's your problem. Yeah, it's it is a, it is a huge problem and it's not fun. Uh, about a month ago, we spoke about uh, we got to wrap this up. Uh, we spoke about Agenda Twenty One on the show. Yes. And uh, we did this when uh, a small executive order slipped under the radar. Oops, hold on. Who could be calling me to now? Who is calling me? I can't talk to you right Tell now. Tell him to hang up. Yeah, well, I just hung up on him. Someone who doesn't care about the show. Uh, agenda. <laughs> Seriously. That's your daughter. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's, it's uh, Super Agent Matthew Lesher calling about getting more Playboy bunnies on the uh, app show. And let's see what I have. See what the sacrifices I make for this show. That thing is nuts. 
<laughs> I like the slide whistle better, honestly. Even though no, these other things are very random. Yeah, but the slide whistle has, has a little more, a little more. Yeah, I'm getting it. good at it. I'm going yeah. to be able to play a little tunes. Yeah, no, the, the the last show was really good. You you, you put some emotion into it. I think I think you might be able to win a Grammy. <laughs> the stylist of the slide whistle. <laughs> okay, so Agenda Twenty One uh, has now is is a United Nations. Um, Initiative, very much like the Codex Alimentarius, and the president, uh, by executive order, formed this agricultural and uh, agricultural community committee, which consisted of Department of Homeland Security and little Timmy Geithner, and every douchebag is on it. And this, of course, is to kill uh, small towns, farmers, etc. And I have the proof here from uh, another local uh, Texas report. This is just the first step. Now, now, John, you, did you ever? Uh, you've been a lot of things. Uh, when I was a youngster, uh, before we moved to Amsterdam, we lived in a small farming village south of Amsterdam. When it was still, and by the way, the line is when I was a kid. Yeah, when Go I was, on. I like youngster. Yeah, you can't say when I was a kid. No, when I was a youngster, See, that's, uh, we'd that's go out being. and you know, and we'd help out, right? And we get paid, and we do stuff like uh, drive the tractor. Now, isn't this kind of like the the most American thing you can do? Is uh, John? You'll agree with me. Why do you have kids? Why? Yeah. Why do we have kids? So they help us around the house. Yeah. So they can help out. Exactly. <laughs> so they can work. Yeah. And if you want to put them to work as yeah, soon as you can. That's right. And if you're on a farm, you have kids, and what do you make the kids do? Work. Drive the tractor. Exactly. Oh no. Oh no. That's not going to happen. Ray LaHood is also on this committee. He's stopping this. This what? is the yeah oh yeah this you will form this what the kids do no so they learn <laughs> yeah not anymore for as long as most can remember it's been the first step the initiation into working the family farm but it could one day be a thing of the past discussions are underway in Washington to require operators of farm equipment to have a commercial driver's license what and many worries yeah. such a step would put the family farm in peril. The vast majority of our farms are family farms. Operators of equipment are usually family members. And if that were to take place, that would eliminate some of the family participation in the farm operation. On his farm just outside the town of McGregor, Rodney Smallreedy grew up helping his dad. His son has grown up the same way. And with farmers facing tougher times than ever, Smallreedy is glad for the help. Right now, I've got my young son. He's 11 years old. He can drive that tractor like a pro. Uh, and my dad, who is, will be 80 this year, well, my dad's not going to go get a CDL to drive a tractor. I just, that's not going to happen. And 11-year-old son, well, I'm going to have to wait, what, 10 years before he will be old enough to qualify to get a CDL. And I've got to have their help. Concerned with the amount of farm equipment making short hops between fields, the new requirements would subject farmers to the same rules governing truck drivers, requiring this is them on to keep private long. property. When did the government take over the farms? When this executive order got signed. Listen again to this last bit. Same rules governing truck drivers, requiring them to keep logs and limit their hours, and the prospect of replacing family help with expensive professional drivers. An idea that, for many, is just absurd. So, can you believe that? They'll what? Be the Are you kidding me? This should have been at the beginning of the show. No, man, I like to end strong. 
That is unbelievable. This Best is all of the day. This is all agenda 21. This is how it starts. You can't have your you can't have your kids drive your tractor. They can kind of keep is logs. This a scandal. Where did you get that clip? That's from it's a local Texas clip. One of uh, where did I find it? I know, no one sent it to me. I found it somewhere. That should be on the nightly news, and they should be hounding the government about this. No, the government is telling you to shut up, slave. We got crisis in the government. Crisis, 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 crisis. Terror, Al Qaeda. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, get off that tractor, kid. Show me your commercial driver's license. Oh, you don't have one? Well, why don't we shut down your farm? Well, that. What? Well, that's that's a depressing show. Buzzkill. Oh no! Let me buzzkill you one more. Uh oh. <laughs> I, I can I can buzz I, I can buzzkill you twice. Janet Napolitano came out with a new initiative. A new initiative, a eight-page memo about how private enterprise and schools can get involved in the if you see something, say something. campaign. Trademark. Here's how it works. The strategy has a very clunky name. Empowering local partners to prevent violent extremism in the United States. It's supposed to be a strategy that will help the Obama administration tackle violent extremism in this country. The White House's answer to Al-Qaeda's efforts to recruit Americans. And the title says it all. The White House has decided to move the fight against radicalization downstream to the local level where the White House wants community engagement, better local training, and compelling narratives to convince at-risk youth that violent extremism is a dead end. So how does violent extremism and self-radicalization start with these youngsters, John? How does it start, huh? And the plan uh, is to bring... Uh, at, uh, at mosques outside of uh, the Yemenis, uh, it, you know, downtown. You couldn't be more wrong. ...in departments and agencies that typically don't do this kind of counterterrorism work. Consider the Department of Education and its links to local schools. Here's an example. Truancy is an early indicator of gang affiliation in the U.S. <laughs> it also happens to be an indicator of violent extremism. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Remember when it used to be called playing hooky? And you played hooky just to you know, go goof off? Now, yeah. now... Now you're becoming a violent extremist if you miss school. That's right. Lone wolf, baby! Uh, along these very same lines, Lucy Napolitano has uh, decided that we need a new regulation on fertilizer. This is a great one because it fits into... Uh, both the Agenda 21 of screwing farmers and into uh, the lone wolf uh, radicalization. Uh, Secretary of Homeland Security Lucy Napolitano today announced the publication of the Department of Homeland Security's Notice of Proposed Rulemaking, that's an NPRM, on the Federal Register for the creation of the Ammonium Nitrate Security Program. Part of the department's ongoing efforts to secure potentially dangerous chemicals and ensure those chemicals do not fall into the hands of those who could cause harm. So you'll need a license to get your fertilizer now. That's nice. Now, I do want to say one thing. A lot of people sent me this, uh, this uh, news report that Nasser Abdo, that's the, uh, the guy who was arrested because they thought he was going to attack Fort Hood, but they arrested him on a gun charge. 
But they arrested him and reportedly found enough material in his motel room for two bombs, including gunpowder, shotgun shells, 18 pounds of sugar, and Christmas lights. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't mention the pressure cooker in there. I do want to say one thing about ammonium nitrate and sugar. When I was a youngster, and living on this, in the same rural community, we would make flash paper. And the way you make flash paper is you take ammonium nitrate, equal parts ammonium nitrate, sugar, and water. Then you soak paper in it overnight. You let it dry. And then when you light that, it's like a magician's flash paper. It goes... And it gives like a huge fireball for a second. The paper's gone. This, this is what we do on the farm. We make things like, you know, we, we, like Rhino, man. We, we, we make stuff with propane tubes and fire and speakers. And we, it's the we, American way, but yeah. Yeah, they, they, yeah. We make stuff burn. It's what we do. It's fun. Well, you can't even buy a chemistry set nowadays. <laughs> and uh, let me think. When I was a kid, you yeah. know, I had a chemistry set. Oh. You can't buy a, the, 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 the kind of chemistry set they used to sell when I was a kid. They, you, they're illegal. Really? Forbid, kids really? Learn any chemistry. You had like. Oh, a, yeah, absolutely. Totally illegal. I remember I had a chemistry kit. It was fun. You make yeah, little change colors and kit. stuff like, that I would had smoke. A big one, a big giant chemistry set. Yeah. No, cool. no, 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 no can do. Just sh- sit down and go to education. Get you know propagandized about one thing or another, and then just get by. What is the current value of the tweeter, John? Right now, what is the monetary value of the company tweeter? I think it's eight billion. Eight point four billion. Did you hear about the deal? Yeah, they got some money. Yeah, from who? I forgot. Oh, it's kind of important. Oh. Digital Sky Technologies. These are the Russian guys. Yeah, the Russians. Yeah, Russians. Yeah. Yeah. So they now have... uh, They got a big chunk of Twitter. They got a chunk of Facebook. You think it's important somehow? Yeah, probably is. I think it should be cracked down. I mean, if we actually have the Library of Congress archiving every single tweet, which I think is ridiculous, that we're spending that money on archiving the tweeter. Uh, So, you know, apparently it's really important. Shouldn't we have a look at who's invested in these companies and maybe this is not such a good idea? Nah. 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 All right, one last one then. This is uh, Senator Wyden. Yeah, I got to do it to you. This is Senator Wyden. Remember, he's the guy who uh, said, hey, um, does the government have the right to track human resources and citizens of the United States through cell phone data and the douchebag from the NSA, Olson, wouldn't answer the question? Because, of course, they're doing it. So he's now all over Section 215. Of course, we have Section 215.org of the Patriot Act. And it's uh, scary because he is now, this is a Democrat, he is now confirming what we have been saying all along, that there are two interpretations. One is what the public is told about the Patriot Act. The second one is the legal interpretation of the Patriot Act, as interpreted by lawyers, the new, uh, soon-to-be, not certified, I keep messing that word up, confirmed uh, chief of counter 
Counterterrorism Intelligence, formerly of the NSA, Olson. Mark Udall and I, he's also a member of the Intelligence mm -hmm. Committee, have sought to address two concerns in the reauthorization. The first is, we believe it ought to be possible to see how many innocent Americans, innocent, law-abiding Americans, are having their communications swept up under the FISA law. And we offered an amendment to have an audit, in effect, done. We lost it uh, narrowly, but we're going to continue uh, to press our case. The other deals with this question of secret uh, law, and we're very troubled about the fact that there really are repercussions about this gap between what uh, is done in terms of the interpretations and secret as compared to the law that's on the books. It's going to undermine public confidence mm -hmm. in these uh, laws because uh, when people find out all the facts, they're going to walk away and say their government isn't straight with us. Yeah, screwing you is what you wanted to say. Well, I'm glad this guy's out there. I'm glad he's doing that with uh, Udall. Is that Bobby? Bobby Udall? Yeah, well, well no one's picking it up. Unfortunately. You know, the Patriot Act is going to get us kicked off the air eventually. Oh, yeah. So uh, please double your donation because we'll need some time to coast. Before, yeah, between uh, gigs. Between gigs. What am I going to do? <laughs> oh, no. What are you going to do? I'm a writer. I can go back. I, I, mean, I can I'm write now. I can write. Yeah, actually, your writing is not is very readable on those blog posts, but it, it does seem like you're straining. What do you mean? Well, there's a certain thing where, I mean, you just, it's not free-flowing. It's almost like you're writing, like, you're not just letting it rip. It's not, it's like as if you're actually, you can actually hear yourself huffing and puffing by the time you get to the end of it. Well, it's 110 degrees when I write these things. Well, it's just telling you, it's huffing and puffing. So I what should imagine. I, what should I do to change it? Nothing, just keep writing. Okay. I think those little posts are interesting. Okay, well, thank you. I, that's a huge compliment coming from you. Yeah, it is a compliment. So we're I having... stunned, actually. Oh, well, thank you. Oh, that's nice. So we're having a big rap party on what day, Mickey? Mickey? 23rd. The 23rd? Is that the rap party? Yep. 23rd? Are you coming, John? I'm uh, looking at the flights as we speak. So apparently we're doing it in, uh, uh, in the lion's den itself in Washington, D.C. That was going to be in Arlington, Virginia. Hold on. What, what am I looking at, Mickey? I'm looking at production notes. Chadwick's in Georgetown. On oh, K Street. It's on K Street. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Does it get any better? <laughs> That's perfect. Baroness Maggie Vincent uh, coordinating with the lovely Miss Mickey. And uh, we cannot thank Baroness Maggie Vincent of Virginia and uh, the illustrious and elusive uh, Mr. Smith for um, their lovely provisions of, a, uh, of the RV and the, the wheels, the tires, which are holding up great. Really nice. You know, I, I was supposed to put some sealant on the roof. But I can't do it because we have the air conditioner running all day and the whole roof is wet. You can't. Mm -hmm. it's I have no. I, I need to go to the, the Canada, and then I can finally do that. I don't. I don't know how to do it otherwise. Canada. Sorry. Yeah. Really. Um, okay. Uh, we do have a nice. So has anybody offered us a a, 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 a tour of of, of uh, Langley? No. Hmm. Not that I'm. Not that I'm aware of. But uh, K Street should be fun. We'll be yeah, right there with the douche buildings. Yeah, well, very un, un, Yeah, the bar right. is probably nice. Yeah. Well, I hope you All make right. it. I hope you make it. I think we you better wrap this baby up. You've uh, gone over time. Yeah, I do. Uh, here's just one of the many invitations we received. 
Let me see. In the morning, Miss Mickey and Adam, we've got the Harp of Karma waiting for you here in Inverness, Illinois. They have an actual harp. So we're going there. <laughs> I got to get one of those. It's, it's a huge harp. This thing is, is amazing. It's really it's 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 fantastic. So uh, that's where we're headed next, and uh, keep those uh, lovely donations and showing of support coming, please. Dvorak.org/na. Should we do the noodles kid as the end of show clip? Yeah, play it. Cause somebody requested this the great uh, noodles getting by clip. Yeah. And, no, no, uh, no, 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 the dictator. Yeah, it's the kid who goes, who, who, this is a classic X-Gen millennial or whoever he is, bitching about his job that because he's not the boss, I guess. I'm not sure what he's thinking, this kid. Yeah, it's a dictatorship. Yeah, it's a dictatorship. <laughs> noodles. <laughs> noodles is a dictatorship. The noodles, kid. Yeah. Hey, John, good talking to you, man. Uh, so we'll talk again on uh, Sunday. Uh, I don't know what I'll be able to get done because we're going to be doing so much driving. But I'll, uh, yeah. I'll once again try. Yeah. We're going to drive eight hours tomorrow just so I can have some time on Saturday to recuperate and to uh, research for the show. Yeah, well, good luck. Yeah. Hey, thanks. Thanks for the encouragement. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I said you should be on the road. 20. I think this is great. Coming to you from Music City, USA, everybody. In Tennessee, the great uh, the great state of Tennessee here in Nashville. Tonight, the big beat up at the Big Bang with Sir Jeff Smith. Thank you all. Uh, I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on Sunday right here on No Agenda. Well, like I described earlier, there are two fundamental classes that are just a plain fact in society. You either work for someone else or you work for yourself. And most people work for someone else in a way that they aren't free. Um, You don't really get to decide your work. For example, I work at Noodles, a restaurant, and basically it's a dictatorship there. Um, We're told exactly what we're going to cook, how we're going to cook it, what time we're going to get there. And basically, if they don't like what they're doing, they try to tell us what to do. If we don't listen, they get rid of us. And so we're not able to actually cooperate in a way that we make decisions together. I try to convince my, my fellow employees that we should have a union at Noodles so it's a source of power to to start with. And then I think in terms of the bigger picture, when you look at revolutions, the way that you actually get rid of any sort of dictatorship um, is by having workers take control of the place where they work. Would your plan, your vision for noodles, sure. would it include the owner? What capacity we, would he be granted? Owner, if the owner wanted to cooperate with us as an equal and provide his skills that he had, we would definitely cooperate with him. We'd have to abdicate his position as being an owner and controller of us, and he would have to recognize that we we run noodles together, and basically, if he doesn't want to cooperate with us, he's against us. Adios, mofo. Dvorak.org slash N-A